You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. What's up, everybody? Good evening. Welcome to Review and Preview. I'm your host, alongside uh, the other two members of our trio. We are finally back as a cohesive unit. Kyle Russo and James Montefusco. What's up, gentlemen? Kyle, love the lights in the background. Yeah, I love them, too. It's that time of year again. Got to get in the holiday spirit. But, Tom, to answer your question, I'm doing well. How are you doing, my friend? Doing great, doing great. Uh, looking forward to watching this uh, NFC East rival tonight between Washington and Philly. Hopefully both teams find the way to lose. James, how are you? I'm doing great. It's great to be back. Great to see you guys. Great to see both of you. Kyle, I, Tom, the last time I saw you was, I don't know, before Thanksgiving. Kyle, I think the last show me and you did was the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, so miss both of you. Miss being on. Glad to be back. Glad to be talking sports with uh, the guys. Yeah. Absolutely. And we have a lot to talk about tonight. We have a great guest coming up um, in just a few moments. Andy Hopper from the Brew Party will be joining the show to talk about the, uh, well, Chicago Bears and a bunch of other topics. Well, first, we're going to get in into our New York football giants and folks. Uh, if you want to follow along, make sure to share this podcast with your family, friends. We are on Facebook, YouTube, uh, you can also subscribe to our other social media platforms on Twitter and Instagram as well, where we post daily content. So the New York Giants, um, James, uh, I'm pretty sure these banners are written in all caps out of anger. Yes. Uh, the, the, the Giants are 4-10. Uh, this football team managed to score six points on Sunday. So just an ordinary day in the life of a Giants fan. Uh, trying okay. to solve advanced calculus while moving down the football field. That's what scoring mm-hmm. touchdowns feels like. Um, nice, Kyle. Um, <laughs> I apologize. Um, so the Giants oh. lose to the Dallas Cowboys 21-6. to Cowboys have now won nine out of their last ten matchups against uh, us. And mm-hmm. to make matters worse, Sterling Shepard tore his ACL and Daniel Jones – has been ruled out for the year with a neck injury. But, uh, James, what were your overall thoughts on this game and the New York Giants on Sunday? And uh, I don't know. I'm glad I didn't have to enjoy a free medium Pepsi. You know, I think I would enjoy a free medium Pepsi, um, maybe, the, um, considering I was fortunate enough not to see this game. Um, I was able to get – Score updates. Actually, one of my coworkers is at the game. 
Um, but I was fortunate enough not to see the game because I'm the nutcracker at work um, and seeing the score update. But to lose 20, 21 to six to Dallas, I mean, did, did a team actually show up or did they just kick two field goals and leave the, the, the stadium? Like, really? Did with, Like, I don't understand. And did, did Dallas bring in their benches like they did to Washington last week? I don't know, man. Oh, all right. Well, I'm just curious. James, would it have mattered? No, but, you know, it, it, it's, it's hilarious how we sign a cowboy, an ex-cowboy, and Jaylen he's Smith. Jalen Smith, but he's dancing on our side thinking we won the game. That was pretty I mean, they, they, I don't know. The, 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 the Giants just, you know what, quit the rest of the season. You're, you're injury prone. Everybody's getting hurt. Nobody looks good from up and down. Put, pa- pack the team in. Forget the, let, let whoever wins the division wins the division. Don't even bother showing up next week. Who do we play? The Eagles? Yep. Yeah, don't, don't show up to that game either. Maybe kick three field goals. Make the score nine. Oh, man. You're funny, man. I miss you. I try to be. Tom, that's my opinion on the Giants. Um, Mike Lennon is a piece of garbage. Um, Whoa. There, 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 there's nothing else <laughs> that really needs to be said. Uh, the man did not even throw for over 100 yards. And... Quite frankly, he was missing guys left and right, and you brought him in the offseason to replace Colt McCoy, and he's the complete opposite type of quarterback than Daniel Jones. The guy literally can't move in the pocket. Um, All due respect to Mike Lennon, but oh my gosh. I mean, it was like watching a horror movie, Kyle, on national television. Um, We're past Halloween, so I'm, I'm I'm very disappointed with the product the Giants put on the field. But am I surprised? Of course not. I'm not surprised at all about this football team. And it was so bad that Jake Fromm managed to throw 82 yards. I mean, if we're really breaking this down, Jake Fromm threw 82 yards in pretty much the five minutes he was in the game. Mike Lennon threw 99 yards through three and a half quarters. That's really sad. Tom, you call it a horror movie. I like to call it a comedy. Because I, I just laugh at this point in the season. It's just funny when I'm but, hearing when I'm hearing broadcasters talk about well, the excuse for not putting in Jake Fromm earlier is because he knows only sixty percent of the playbook. Well, if you've watched Mike Lennon play the last three weeks, it only looks like he knows twenty percent of the playbook. So, what, what's the difference at this point? And either way, you're not winning any of the games that you played these previous three weeks against Dallas, against the Chargers. Your best shot might have been the Dolphins, but that arguably was the worst game in which they've played. Actually, no, the Chargers was pretty bad. I know the final score was 37 to 21, but if you actually watch the game, the final score was 37 to 7. Until garbage time football, aka Giants offense yeah. comes alive. Yeah. That, that was it. They've been a bad team. They continue to be a bad team. I don't think that anybody expects anything out of them. But what I will say is this because, James, you brought up the point of did they even show up? Mm-hmm. All season long, I've been advocating for it. The Giants defense is a good defense. And the only reason, in fact, three of the four wins that they have this season, which is a disgrace in and of itself, have come all from the defensive side of the ball. If they don't have their defense, they don't win those games. 
And in fact, if they don't have their defense in this game, even though it's a final score of 21 to six, it's not even that close if it's not for their defense. But week in and week out, Patrick Graham does the best of his ability to work with what he has, even though the Giants continue to have zero pass rush whatsoever. They get some QB pressures. They play well against top receivers. They play well against tight ends. And they play. But the problem is, if you watch Giants football, what happens every single game is the Giants defense gets so gassed early on in the game because the offense can't stay on the field for more than three drives, uh, three downs, that they get gassed early and then the game's essentially over because the offense can't do anything. As I just alluded to, in the game against Miami, they scored nine points. In the game against the Chargers, they scored seven points. Not 21, folks. They scored seven points. And in this previous game against the Dallas Cowboys, they scored six points. Basically stating that this team cannot do anything offensively. That's blatantly it. It's really sad when you look at it. Uh, the The running game was okay. I thought Devontae Booker had a nice game. Eight carries for 74 yards which is actually really good. Saquon Barkley had 15 rushes for 50 yards and lost one fumble. He did have that nice one-handed catch. But other than that, what are you paying this guy all this money for? Uh, You know, why are you going to give him a big contract extension? You know, it doesn't really make sense. Love guy, but damn, like this guy's going to cost us a lot of money. And signing him to a long-term extension is a, a good part of the reason why the Giants could potentially continue to be a bottom five to ten franchise over the ne- over the next five years, because they're riddling themselves and paying these good linemen on each side of the ball. That's what we got to do. We got to fix the trenches. Am, am, am I wrong? Like you fix the trenches, and you know you don't have to go out and get all these superstar players at all skill sets. The Giants' best players arguably are at the offensive skill position and they're secondary, right? The front seven isn't very good outside of Leonard Williams. You could say Austin Johnson's had an okay season. Um, Andrew Thomas has had a good season. But other than that, nobody on the offense has played well. That includes Kenny Galladay, sadly. Kadarius Tony's Exactly. Yeah. Happy Galladay's. Maybe yeah. he'll surprise <laughs> us and score a touchdown this week. Mm. Um, not, it's not his fault. It's not his no, fault. it is not his fault at all. At people, all. It's people were fault. talking about people were talking about, oh, Jason Garrett. Is the issue. Jason Garrett is somewhere at home celebrating his holidays, laughing and just laughing and smiling. Because guess what, folks? Kenny Galladay, since since Jason Garrett has departed from the Giants, has 11 catches in four games. And if you watch the game against Dallas, he didn't even have his first catch until the fourth quarter in garbage time. So that's the Giants team right now. That is their team. They don't have an identity. They look lost. They have, honestly, and I'll say this notably on this show, I think they have, arguably, on paper, they have one of the best skill positions uh, uh, depth chart, I think, in the NFL, potentially. They just have no idea what to do with them. They have no idea what to do with Tony, no idea what to do with Shepard, no idea what to do with Galladay, no idea what to do with 
John Ross when he's healthy. No idea what to do with Slayton, Rudolph, Ingram, Caden Smith, Saquon Barkley, Booker. They have no idea what to do with any of them. All the talent is there, but they have nobody leading the charge. I'm really happy you threw Caden Smith in there as well. Well, yeah, because he's not even a factor anymore. No, he's not. You know who else is laughing? Pat Shermer's laughing. Yeah, because the offense offense was Denver. The offense was actually good under him. The team sucked, but the offense was actually decent. The Giants could put up 20, 30 points a game. It was possible. Daniel Jones looked like a good quarterback when Pat Shermer was OC, minus the turnovers, of course. Of course. Um, But moving on to the defensive side of the ball, there are a lot of COVID uh, issues with the secondary. The Giants did not have a Dory Jackson, who is dealing with, uh, I think, a lower body injury. Aaron Robinson placed on the COVID list along with Cam Brown and a bunch of other Giants. John Ross as well. Uh, Darnley Holmes is on short-term IR. I don't know when he's coming back. And Jaron Williams was the number two corner on Sunday. This was an undrafted rookie free agent out of the University of Albany, the same college that Gabe Flynn attended. That was our starting number two corner on Sunday. A U of Albany graduate. You know, they have penalty flags in football. I wish they would have a surrender flag. I wish they would. Because what's the per? I mean, you watch these Giants game. You go into it. I mean, especially if you're the players, you want to compete week in and week out, night in and night out, day in and day out. But come on. What's the plan of action? Well, you've been practicing and practice all week. You know, that, that's the thing that angers me the most as a, as a Giants fan. When they say, oh, we had a good week in practice and we're seeing good things at practice. Yeah, because you're playing against yourselves who stink. (laughs) (laughs) You're playing against other teams. And again, the last three weeks, they haven't scratched double digits on their total points. No, they haven't. So what are we we talking about here? That's why, and Tom, I don't don't know if we're getting to this, but that's why I think that everybody needs to be flushed out in that front office – Everybody on the sidelines, with the exception of Graham, needs to be flushed out as well. Because I just don't understand. I think, and again, you guys have been watching football for much longer than I have. And maybe even all sports across the board. But I've never seen a team spend hundreds of millions of dollars on both sides of the ball and actually be worse. I've never seen that in my life. They, with a multitude of draft picks, including a multitude of picks in the first round, they actually managed to be worse. I don't know how that's possible, but they figured it out. Wow. You're let's not pushing the right buttons. Let's, let's get into that. Uh, Dave Gettleman will be forced to retire at the end of the season, and a lot of Giants fans are complaining. What is holding John Mara from just firing him now? Because Gettleman's a nice guy, and they want him to walk out with the Giants' pride. Uh, the Giants fired Jerry Reese with Ben McAdoo the day after they benched Eli, which I agreed with at the time, but Gettleman, mm-hmm. this this was the make it or break it year, and I am officially on that train that Dave Gettleman has to go. It looked like on paper that Gettleman had a great offseason. He made moves that put this team in you know, a position to win, but it was everything but that once the season started. He took so many risks. He drafted players who were huge injury-prone players, Sterling Shepard, who probably won't be a giant next year. 
Same thing goes for Nate Solder. Uh, same thing probably goes for Drew Pepper, sadly. Yeah. Uh, you spent third-round draft picks on Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Simenez in back-to-back years, and their afterthoughts to two rookies, mm-hmm. and Ojolari and uh, Roche. And you could even throw Aller- Ellerson Smith in there. I think Smith has looked better than Zimenez. Uh, I think Zimenez was on the COVID list this week. I, he was one of those players. But anyway, um, this is my thing, Kyle. I agree with you to an extent. I think Gettleman's got to go. I don't like Kitchens. But I still think Joe Judge might be the guy. I still think Joe Judge might be the guy because – Bill Parcells, when he started as the Giants head coach, he wasn't a great head coach, right? The Giants were a losing team, and his first couple years weren't great. I think Joe Judge needs to take an honest look and fix some of his philosophies. Um, And next year should be the make-it-or-break-it year for Joe Judge because I don't want to go into this cycle where we fire a head coach every two years. Mm. I also think, and this is my opinion, I think there are GM candidates outside of Kevin Abrams, who I hope to God is not the next general manager of the New York football giants. I do think there are candidates out there that would be willing to work with Joe Judge. Uh, this new G, because we all know Joe Judge is going to stay, right? It's pretty much been confirmed on matter that Joe Judge is not going anywhere. Um, but Gettleman is on the way out. This new GM has to find a way. You have nine to ten draft picks to your advantage this year, two in the first round, probably in the two in the in the top ten, potentially in the top five, thanks to Andy Chicago Bears. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Andy backstage right now. Andy backstage dancing right now. But you gotta tell Joe Judge, look, you gotta coach this football team. You gotta bring this team a winning football season. Even yes. if they don't win the division next year. Giants have to make the playoffs next year for me to have the urge to say that Joe Judge should keep – yeah, confidence. Thank you, James. That Joe mm-hmm. Judge can keep his job. I would like to keep Joe Judge a third year, um, but that's my cutoff leash with him. I don't know what you guys thought about that. I think we're all in alignment that Gettleman should go. At this point, I think we all agree with that. But how do we feel yeah. about the rest of the coaching staff and front office? James, you want to go first? Judge, I would say if he doesn't produce a winning season next year, he's gone. Tom, I would love to the Giants to make the playoffs, but I'll take a winning season. You know, above 500, not a 500 team, above 500. Whether we just miss the playoffs because the division and everybody else is one game better than us or whatnot. Freddie Kitchens, I don't know, man. He's just he's a he's a placeholder right now. He he's gone. I'd say you keep Graham. Um, I I say you keep the defensive guy. He's been able to make do. It's just it's not his play calling. It's the defense is getting gassed within the second quarter and can't play two more quarters because they're just gassed. I would keep him, um, but offense I would kind of revamp. I would keep Joe Judge. So, and then Gettleman, uh, have a nice retirement down in Florida. Enjoy whatever you do. My stance on Joe Judge and Tom, I, I commented on Big Blue last week. He has to go because he's not only the reason why 
this team is failing on the field. But as we all attested to when he became the head coach is we wanted him to have influence on the free agents and the draft picks. And he did. So not only can he not coach the team that's on the field, but this is the team that he essentially built to be on the field. And so if you can't figure out the players that you picked and that you approved on to sign in free agency, then you got to go. And not just that, but now how many, how many members of his own coaching staff has he fired in the last two years? He let go of Colombo last year. The offensive line coach couldn't figure it out. He let go of Jason Garrett this year. I'm pretty sure I'm missing one more coach that was on his staff that he also fired. So combined with the fact that you drafted these players that you can't figure out and assemble a solid offense, a solid defense on the field, you're hiring people that you're not even allowing to stay on the field and live out the entirety of a season. So why should I let you live out the entirety of another season? If these are the people in which you're employing, if these are the people that you're having your faith and trust in to lead a winning football team, then you know what? If they fail, that means you fail. And people are saying, oh, he's gotten the raw end of the stick. I don't believe in that at all. Every team has suffered injuries this year. In fact, there's been more teams that have been injured and more teams that have been COVID-ridden. And you know what? They still have a better record than the New York Giants. In fact, I think there's only one team in the entire NFC. I don't know about the AFC. But I think there's only one team in the NFC that has a worse record than the New York Giants, and that's the Detroit Lions. And the Detroit Lions have lost everything on both sides of the ball. They have a rookie head coach. They, 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 are, they are the Lions. You know what? They have a 2-11-1 record, which is however you want to determine. That's a one-and-a-half game difference between the Giants, who spent $100 million two seasons in a row, and had a multitude of draft picks, and the Giants are a game and a half better than that team. So you got to look in the mirror, and you just got to say, do you want to be in that revolving door of coaches? Absolutely not. But be honest with yourself. And let me ask you this and reiterate this statement, because this is the big thing that people forget when they talk about the Giants winning. The Giants can't even beat the teams in their own division. So how are they, how are they making the playoffs? That's number one. And number two, you give Joe Judge another year next year, do you honestly believe, and James – the, the way you're asking the question of we need to see a winning season, mm-hmm. I don't even think the Giants are going to get close to that. Do you honestly mm-hmm. think the Giants are going to be, and how do you evaluate better? That's another question. Do you honestly think that the Giants are going to be even close to competing for the division next year? Do you honestly believe that? I mean, if no, you I do. spent I, do. I, I don't know. Why? Why? Because we were, we were four and two in the division last year where you granted the division sucked last year, but the Giants still went four and two. This year, we still have two division games left, and they beat Philadelphia once already. So it's not – I mean, I feel like a lot of Giants fans are just assuming that we're going to lose out. I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think we're going to lose out. I think we win at least one more game because all of these divisional games are really, really tough games, and that's just the way the NFL goes. I personally think that Joe Judge deserves a third year because I do think he's been dealt a raw end of the stick. Um, As far as the injured players that were brought to this team before him, like Sterling Shepard, Jabril Peppers, a lot of these guys who are getting hurt, these weren't Joe Judge guys. Now, granted, you could argue he could have an influence in saying that, hey, you know, he wants them to go, this and that, or you want to trade Jabril Peppers to potentially get some capital, which at the beginning of the season that sounded silly. But I think he deserves a third year. That's just the way I view it. Kyle, 
I do see where you're coming from. I don't entirely disagree with you, but I mean, this is this is where I stand with Joe Judge. I think, you know, he finished above 500 in the in the division last year. He finished above 500 in the second half of the season, and he brought a new culture to the team. And this season, I mean, it, it's just flopped. So I think next year is the deciding year. Are we going to see year one or year two? At least that's where I stand. I mean, you're talking about four and two last year. It was without Dak Prescott leading the Cowboys. That was with Taylor Heineke. Actually, the Washington football team had like four or five quarterback changes last year. And Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson, who we all saw at the end of the year, they purposely tried to lose a football game for the first obvious invisible thing that I think that anybody's ever seen in the history of the National Football League. So that that was our four and two record against the division. And the Giants have won two other games, I believe, last year. And now you look at this year, and you can't beat anybody in the division. In fact, the only divisional win in which the Giants have came against the Eagles, where the Giants' defense did everything they could to win the football game, and the Eagles' offense did everything that they could to give the Giants the win, and yet they still almost lost the game in a 13-7 to matchup. With all the money you spent on offense, you struggled to score 13 points. That's the problem that I see. And that's why I don't see it getting better because you look at the division around us and you guys will attest to this as well because we were all sitting here in September and we were actually go back to all the way to April. We thought the Eagles were going to be atrocious. Well, guess what? Better than us. Better than us. The Washington football team has a quarterback that just appeared in the XFL two years ago. He's better than any quarterback that we've had to offer so far this season. And the Washington football team has a better record than us. And everybody thought that Nick Sirianni was going to be a bad coach. Well, he has more than half the wins that Joe Judge has in his career. And he hasn't even completed a full season yet. So that's where I'm at. I don't see things getting better, especially because Dave Gettleman has put us, has put the Giants in a situation where they have no mobility in terms of the cap room. They have their draft picks, so now they essentially have to hit on everything there. And again, in two seasons, the players that Joe Judge has brought onto the team they have not been able to coach them. So these draft picks that they're going to bring in, are they going to be able to coach them and get the game plan right? And in two years, they haven't. So I don't know why third year is a charm. That's my personal opinion. All right. Um, James, I don't know if there's anything you, you wanted to add on that, but I'd like to move on to the Jets here quickly in work speed time um, because they're worse than us. Um, 3-11, the Jets lose to the Miami Dolphins 31-24. The Jets actually led in this game early, 10-0 in the second quarter. Uh, they had Michael Carter return. No Elijah Moore, who's out for the year, was also on uh, COVID IR. And now the Dolphins have won six straight games since starting 1-7. But the Jets managed to put up 24 points. Is their offense improving, guys, with Zach Wilson being back? It's a matter of time. You're going to see improvement from that whole team as a unit. It just was, like I said earlier, it was just going to take time. Um, ultimately, it depends if they, if they keep the same consistency they did this week throughout the rest of the season, whether even if they lose, are they still able to keep that pressure on every team? Because if they are, then we should, there should be a bright spot heading into next year. But if they, can't then you're going to start being like was that game just a fluke and is Zach Wilson 
is it going to take him longer to become an actual quarterback in the league? I think that they are improving. I think they're going to be a much better team next year. I think that they're, as one of the most youthful teams in the NFL, they had a lot of hardships to all the talent in which they brought in. They've lost Corey Davis for the rest of the year. They've lost Elijah Moore for the rest of the year, who the last four or five weeks before he got injured was looking like one of the best stud receivers in all of football. And granted, that wasn't even with Zach Wilson, which is why I think that next year will be so much better because they'll have a full offseason together training and, and, and flourishing together. You know, have Jamison Crowder, Michael Carter at one point in time when they really started using him in the offense was tremendous. And then he went on the IR. He just came back. They didn't really use him in this Miami game. And then a lot of pieces in which they added on defense in the offseason, which a lot of people agreed were going to be some of the star-studded pieces. Never even suited up for the Jets because they got hurt for the rest of the season in the preseason. So I think it's going to be a much better team. Again, this is the growing pains of a rookie quarterback, a rookie head coach, uh, a lot of youthful players on both sides of the ball. And uh, I think they're going to be a much better team now. How much better can you be in the division featuring the Miami Dolphins, the New England Patriots, and the Buffalo Bills? Well, I think we all can agree are some of the best teams in the AFC, let alone the entire NFL. We'll see. But I think they will be much better than 3-11 come week 15, week 16 next year. Don't agree with that at all. Uh, I don't think the Jets are going to be a good football team. I think Zach Wilson is set up to fail yet again. Uh, I don't like the way Robert Salah has managed the team this season. Uh, there have been a lot of issues with this New York Jets team that they've they've been in a lot of games that they should have won, and there was no Jalen Waddle for Miami. Duke Johnson had over a hundred rushing yards and two touchdowns. The, the 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 Jets front four is supposed to be the strength of their defense. Where was it? You have Quinn and Williams, Sheldon Rankins, John Franklin Myers. Where were they? They were non-existent. The Dolphins' defense had six sacks, and the Dolphins lost the turnover battle three to one. Yet the Jets still couldn't win the football game. I don't know. I, I think a lot's going to have to change if the Jets are going to be better. And Kyle, you just mentioned it. Miami, Buffalo, New England. If they're all good again next year, Miami's an average team right now because they got off to a sluggish start, but they've been mm-hmm. hot as of late. They've been one of the hottest teams in the NFL. Granted, their schedule has been a little favorable to them, but. Um, I don't know. It's tough for me to see the Jets be more having much more than three wins. I, you could argue maybe four or five, but I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think it depends what they do in the off season, right? Because uh, is Will or Wilson and Elijah Moore going to take that next step? They don't have a legit tight end. I don't know if Michael Carter's their feature running back. I don't think he is. I mean. There's a lot of questions on that. They don't have anybody on that offense that is a reliable. I mean, Crowder's probably going to go. He's going to be a cap casualty. Denzel Mims, that wasn't a good draft pick. He can't stay on the field. You're left with Elijah Moore, Zach Wilson, Mackay Becton, and, you know, you have two tackles that are aging, and Morgan Moses and George Fant. Yeah, but you have guys like Barrett Tucker, you have Corey Davis, you have some stuff to build on. And again, what the Jets have done 
is they haven't been cap happy either, meaning that they, even though they have the money, they haven't been spending all of it. They've been spending in small chunks, which means that they have a plethora of money to spend this offseason. And just like the Giants with, with two top ten picks, the Jets can potentially have the same thing, depending upon how Seattle finishes out as well, because they stand at like a four and eight record right now. So they're going to have draft picks to use, they're going to have money to spend. And again, like I said, most of that team is very young, especially on the offensive side of the ball, between the quarterback, the running back, the receivers, the offensive linemen. You know, I know you brought up the tackles, but Elijah Vera Tucker is a rookie. Kai Beckton's a second-year player. I think they're going to be, again, they're not, they're not going to be competing with the other teams within their division, but I think they'll be much better than 3-11 and come this time next season. Let's see. I mean, we'll have to save this recording and reclip it at this time next year. Pop surprise and on a live show. Roost entertainment. But uh, <laughs> James, anything you want to add on the Jets? They are playing the Jaguars this weekend, so that might be their fourth win. Oh, that's good. Well, um, <laughs> Jets fans, you know, like I, like I said throughout the season, uh, you're you're going to go through growing pains again with another new quarterback, with another new head coach. Um, I apologize, um, but I do have to say uh, us Giant fans do have a win over you guys. I know both New York teams suck um, football-wise, um, but we do have that extra win over you guys. So uh, for us Giant fans, it might make us feel a little better, um, especially me and Kyle right now um, as uh, – that's somewhat of the closest winning franchise we have at the moment to support. Um, but yeah, that's really about it. James, I was just going to bring that up as, as bad as we just like kind of trash talk. The, I don't think I trash talk the jets that much, but as bad as we just talked about the jets, if they beat Jacksonville this week, they have the same record as the giants. Yeah. How sad is that? Yeah. Much more lenient on a three and 11 team than a four and 10. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm really happy right now because Jalen Hurts is looking like trash out there. Uh, well, one interception and one fumble lost already. Hold so on. I, that fumble that lost, I don't know if you guys saw my face. Um, Landon Collins picks it up, and then it's he's getting hit. He fumbles it, and the Eagles <laughs> nearly repick it up, but then Washington falls on it. So you know what? Um, well, it to the West Coast game. That's all I'm asking for. Well, Washington's up seven nothing right now with a quarterback named Garrett Gilbert. Uh, and at this time, Gilbert without further, deep. oh, completes a pass. What's up? Sorry, no, Gilbert went deep and completed a pass to um, McLaurin. McLaurin. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to bring on our guest for the evening. Joining us here on this Christmas special of review and preview, sell the team. Andy Hopper from the Brew Party joins the show. Andy, how are you tonight? Gentlemen, I heard we're talking about shitty football teams, so I had to insert myself into this conversation because I I watch one every weekend, unfortunately. I watch multiple shitty football teams actually every weekend uh, when it's in season, but I'm so happy to be here, so happy to be back. Uh, good to see you, boys. I've been absolutely laughing my ass off at Kyle uh, backstage. Like, <laughs> Just so funny. This has been a great show so far. I'm excited to uh, bring my takes to it. Absolutely. Now, Andy, can you tell the folks at home where they can catch the brew party? 
Yeah, so there is a lot of me on the internet. So you can find the brew party uh, <laughs> wherever you get your podcasts Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, iHeartRadio. If that's too much, just go to www.thebrewparty.com. It's got all of our links to all of our episodes, uh, all of our social medias. Uh, so you can follow us on Twitter um, at The Brew Party. We're on Instagram at The Brew Party. We're on uh, Facebook at The Brew Party Podcast. Uh, and then subscribe to the YouTube. Uh, help me out there. I'm trying to get up to 100 subscribers uh youtube.com slash the brew party so right now i we i have episodes every friday with my friend ryan maloney we call it maloney's money line we give out our uh eight best picks uh for the weekend it's nfl it's college football we did a little college basketball we <clears throat> do a little nba ufc sometimes uh that goes live every friday usually at noon sometimes at 6 p.m uh, that's all central time this week uh with friday being christmas eve uh we are probably taking the week off we will still release some picks, but that's where you can find me. That's live on our Twitter, our YouTube, or, or on Facebook. I'm also a part of a conspiracy theory podcast called Edging the Truth. Uh, you can find that wherever you get your podcasts as well, or just go to www.edgingthetruth.com. Uh, we just released a brand new episode today on demons. Basically, it's just four, four dudes. We kind of have a good time, dive into these random topics, uh, see if uh, we can figure out if they are real or fake, um, and that's a really good time. But, yeah, I just recorded – first episode of a brand new podcast that's going to be debuting here in a few weeks so stretching myself out here really thin i don't know what the hell i'm gonna do but i'm so happy to be here you can follow my personal twitter at a hop 23 you can watch me live tweet about how bad the fucking bears are did that last night and of course one thing of course you can find me every week at from the stands with of course tom scavetta and our good friend brian mccardle uh, as well, uh, I, I figured you uh, were going to plug that, Tom. So that's why I, I, I didn't do oh. that one. But <laughs> but yes, you can find we, we just released our bowl special for the first half of the bowls on Friday. You can find that. What is it from the stands sports on YouTube? And then we have I don't know when we're recording uh, part two. Tom, we should probably figure that out, but that's awesome. It's it's <laughs> weekly content for uh, for 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 college football fans. Uh, you yeah. know, Tom bringing his Notre Dame takes. I obviously um, am a University of Illinois fan, as you can see behind me. Uh, we don't really talk much Redbirds, not much FCS talk uh, on on uh, on from the stands, but that's okay. And then Brian bringing us his little uh, UCF Golden Knight flavor as well. But that's always always a fun show. Me and Brian like to rag on Tom quite a bit. Uh, what's up, tight spot? John Rankin saying hello. Make sure to go follow him at the tight spot on Twitter. Um, the real tight spot, that is, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. Good guy out from Las Vegas. Big Pittsburgh Steelers fan. But, Andy, let's get into your Chicago Bears falling to the Minnesota Vikings as, you know, I – I don't care, dude. They didn't. They didn't deserve to win that game. Plead the fifth. <laughs> I wa- if you watch that game, the Chicago Bears beat themselves, and it's just. I mean, Kirk Cousins. I like with the Bears' entire secondary out there, entire starting secondary out on the COVID protocol. Kirk Cousins throws for eighty-seven yards. It doesn't matter. They did enough to beat us. That. that but it's like, if you're a Bears fan, and of course, we also have to see it. In prime time, you just the turnovers, they're fucking killer. We have six trips to the red zone, and really, besides the garbage time touchdown with no with no time left on the clock, it didn't matter. We scored three points. 
It's it, it's uh, Justin Fields. I mean, I'm happy he's playing. I think he did play okay besides the fumble, which has been a problem for him all year so far this year. Is it's, And I know it's like growing pains with a rookie. I know you guys have experienced it with DeAndre Jones turning the, turning the ball over, uh, especially during his, you know, early time playing. It's frustrating. It does come with, you know, learning the game, I guess. But that's, you know, we see an uncharacteristic fumble from David Montgomery. We see the defense actually play really well. Uh, Akeem Hicks comes back and immediately makes an impact on the interior defensive line with two sacks. Robert Quinn gets up to 15 sacks on the year. And I mean, he's a guy I'm sure I said it on this show or on one of your shows that I needed more from him uh, last year after just really a subpar season. And now he's in the pro bowl and he's uh, potentially on pace to break a bears record for uh, sacks in a year. Uh, So, I mean, those are some bright spots. Thomas Graham jr. Uh, called up from the practice squad this week, makes his NFL debut, had three pass breaks, uh, three like really big pass breakups. I mean, the, the secondary, the guys that were put in there, they played well, but it's just offensively, you can't keep continuing to make mistakes, drive down the field, and when you get uh, inside the red area, just forget how to play football, whether it's a fumble, whether it's a, a holding penalty, or what have you. And then, I mean, defensively, you make three stops on one drive where uh, Minnesota scores a touchdown and, they, and you give up. You get a personal foul for 15 yards. Uh, you get a, a illegal chop block or whatever, a defensive chop block where he was diving for the fucking ball carrier's legs. Uh, you also have a guy making a play on the ball, which is apparently unnecessary roughness. Um <laughs> I'm not saying the Bears made zero mistakes. There were quite a few where it was an absolute ref show, absolute joke. You can see my tweets about that. Um, but, Tom, I mean, you've said this to me before when we've been talking about the Giants. It's bad teams find ways to lose football games, and that is what the Chicago Bears are. Unfortunately, they're a bad football team. Uh, they, if they, they can't get out of their own way. Justin Fields finishes 26 for 39, 285 yards and a touchdown. He does add seven carries for 35 yards. Uh, but it's the turnovers. It's the fucking dumb penalties. It's just add up another thing. I will give Matt Nagy some credit. He was like, he had like a rocket up his ass or something last night. He was so mad. That was really fun. Like that was the most animated challenge flag. I think I've ever seen anybody throw. Did you guys see that? Where you like slammed yeah. it right in the ref's face. Yeah. I did like that. Um, a guy I was super excited about, if you remember from the draft show, Tom, was when we picked up Tevin Jenkins. So, I mean, he started at left tackle uh, for us this year. He makes his first NFL start. We were super excited about him coming into the year. He comes in injured, uh, just came off like a back surgery. So he hasn't really gotten a lot of tape. Jason Peters went out last week, so Jenkins had to come in. Immediately gets like a holding call and a false start, like back-to-back. He's had a rough start um, to the season. I think that's just really more so like a lack of reps and just a lack of really being out there. I think a full off season of him being, you know, fully healthy and getting with the offense will, will do wonders for him next year. Cause a lot of people are talking about how we need to sure up the tackle spots, but I really think we have our two long-term tackles with Jenkins and then Larry Borum, the guy we got in the fifth round, really a steal in my mind out of Missouri, uh, who's played great, started almost half the year. Uh, and then I really think it's more so on the inside. I, I know on the broadcast last night, they said, you know, to keep, you know, guys like Mustafer and Whitehair and uh, James Daniel. I do agree we should bring James Daniel back, but I don't 
not a big must for guy. I know uh, Tom, he, he is a, a Notre Dame guy, so you might, you might not like that. Um, but we also need like a big body receiver for him, for Justin Fields to throw to as well. Like we're really lacking that. Like Allen Robinson was out. I know Jesse James was on the COVID list. I know he, he he's a tight end, but still we're, we're even, even so when they're out there, Allen Robinson has been pretty much non-existent this year, but it's, it was just another classic bears game. It's we're going to do one good thing. And then we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot. It's like, we'll block a punt, start the drive on the 30 yard line, then end up with no points. We'll intercept Kirk on maybe one of the worst throws I've ever seen uh, in my life. Uh, take it to their 45, no points. It, it's just like, it was, it, it, it was horror. It was, it was just absolutely terrible. And it was the worst part was the Vikings weren't playing that well. So it's like they were in that game until there was like eight minutes left. So it's like, as bad as I wanted to turn it off, I just couldn't look away. <laughs> Andy, you just perfectly described the Giants this season. It's almost no, I know. Time. That's what, dude. When you were talking, like when you guys were talking about the Giants, I'm like, there's so many similarities here. It's it's the same. It's the same thing. And you know, I, Gettleman, you said he's going to be forced to retire. I really think the Bears should t- should look at not only taking Nate, get getting Nagy the hell out of town, but Ryan Pace has to take some of the blame here as well. He's drafted this team. He's given up multiple draft picks. Also, Tom, you did tell me on from the stands, speaking from the stands, the Giants would only have one top 10 pick. Two. I think it's going to be two, buddy. I think it's going to be two. Um, Anyway, (laughs) not that I can even gloat because it's my team's fucking shitty pick anyway. So you're welcome. Uh, uh, But I I always like telling Tom when I'm right and he's wrong because it doesn't happen very often. Um, So (laughs) it's just like I think Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy both have to go like this. We talked about it before the show, how you can't blame fucking McCaskey and um, uh, what's the CEO's name? God, I forget his, of course, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. It's not their fault, but it is because they're just okay with mediocrity. Um, So something's got to change and it's got to start in my mind with the front office, Matt Nagy. I mean, all that fire last night, I mean, it was fun to watch, but by all accounts, he's lost this locker room. And I, I just don't see how you can really, you're not going to appease any fans, of course, if going forward. I mean, the players you already have in the locker room are probably going to want out. Like, Allen Robinson is gone, I, I would I would assume. Akeem Hicks came out after the game and said he just wants to uh, play Chicago, play good football uh, as, as a nice goodbye to Chicago. So he's probably gone. Uh, I mean, who knows what they're going to do with Khalil Mack uh, in the future. So we don't even really know what this fucking team is going to look like next year. This year, they suck, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but you're just last night was really a microcosm of their entire season. It's just not being able to get out of their own way. Laying it in, laying it in. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, Sam, how's it going? Sam, um, how are you? Yeah, it's it's been that type of year. Four and ten buddies. Um, <laughs> Giants and Bears really have a lot of common. I feel like, and not, not just from a shitty standpoint, gentlemen, uh, from a uh, a team standpoint, both of our defenses are respectable, are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Both of our secondaries were derailed this week due to injuries or COVID, and yeah. our offenses are incompetent. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. And, you know, we're going to talk about 
guys like Justin Fields now, David Montgomery, Cole Komet, but uh, Justin Fields didn't have his best game, but he wasn't the reason why the Bears lost at all. I mean, I thought, you know, the the two fumbles, but the offense also, Andy, you had a missed field goal and you had three. Yeah. You had three turnovers on downs. Um, mm-hmm. What do you accredit that misfortune to or uh, bad game plan to? Well, we didn't have Bill Lazor, the offensive coordinator, there. So you have uh, Nagy calling all the plays. Uh, on the, I don't know if you guys saw the one like fourth, fourth and one uh, from the it was probably like a thirty or maybe the twenty five in Vikings territory where we line up <coughs> with nobody in the backfield and Darnell Mooney has to like run back there with a quick snap. Uh, Fields takes you know like five steps backward, tries to run, run for it, get, uh, gets tackled. I don't really know what to attribute it to. I think. The before this game, they had one practice, and that was on Saturday. Uh, they've been in COVID protocols, like you said, they they were hit hard. There were like almost twenty players, I, I believe, uh, in COVID protocols for this team leading up to this game. I think that has something to do with it. But at the same time, it's the fourteenth game of the year, so you'd like to think <laughs> you'd like to think there'd be some cohesiveness <laughs> with this offense, or you'd like to think maybe uh, when you see your team. Not lining up correctly, you'd take a timeout before to set up a fourth down that you really, really need to have. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think ju- I just attribute it to maybe lack of practice, but also I, I just think bad coaching at, at the end of the day. I just, I just think they're checked out on it. Yeah, Andy, I would happen to agree with you because when you look at when you look at the Bears from top to bottom, I, I know they didn't start the season off hot. But starting in week eight against the 49ers down to where we are now, with the exception of that Arizona game, week in and week out, you guys are close in games, right? Mm -hmm. Look how you competed against Green Bay. Neck and neck up until the second half, third quarter, you get outscored 17-0, and that's when the game starts to slip away. It's infuriating. Pittsburgh, I think Justin Fields had his best game of the season. Baltimore, you guys should have won that game. Mm -hmm. San Francisco, same case scenario, going to the fourth quarter, being up 16 to 15 you guys just can't close out games no i think you have a roster set together but a similar stance to the giants is figuring out how to use the weapons that you have for whatever the godforsaken reason is cheers the four and ten Hank. just like the giants not being able to figure out how to use their 72 million dollar receiver all season long the bears cannot figure out i know he's not playing right now how to get Allen robinson yeah to football i mean and i get it as a rookie quarterback you're going to have guys that you feel comfortable with. You're going to have guys that you become your security blanket, like a Cole Komet, like a Darnell Mooney have been for Justin Fields all year round. And maybe it's because he doesn't want to throw into double coverage and turn over the football. But the mm-hmm. fact that every single game in which Allen Robinson has played this season, there's like no game plan to even involve him in the yeah. offense. Like you guys, again, it's not the most star-studded offensive roster. It's not. I'm not going to lie. But how close you guys have been, that comes down to coaching because all those losses that I just listed came in the fourth quarter. And every single one of those losses, you guys were leading going into the fourth quarter or going into the second half. Yeah, it, it, it just really it doesn't make sense how, you know, he's just been phased out of the offense. And I think, you know, you speaking about not knowing how to use certain weapons. They haven't he hasn't used fields correctly 
all year. Yeah. It like it took him. I don't even know how many games to finally, you know, use some play action and getting him in bootlegs and well, moving him out of the pocket. And well, it's that's, just like, that's the thing, too. And I don't want to interrupt, but that's the thing is you remember his, his debut against Cleveland. And the rumor was is that he didn't want Justin Fields. And I think that's more reason to add to the fire of why he's got to go. But continue. Yeah, no, abs- no, you're absolutely right. It's it's just like delusional. And we'll see. You mentioned the three the three turnovers on downs. The play calls don't make sense. We're still using the Wildcat. We use Wildcat more than anybody else in the NFL for some reason. Like that doesn't that shit doesn't work anymore. I'm sorry, like maybe in a goal line situation when you're really trying to punch it in. But these NFL defenses have figured out how to stop that. Um it, it's just his situational awareness. Is not right. I I just feel like there are certain times where we get to second and short, or it, even when we get a big turnover like we did last night, we need to be taking more shots downfield. In my opinion, when we'll just hand it off to Montgomery, who did play well for the most part last night, but at every it seemed that every time that we had a chance to take the momentum in the game or really keep it after a big turnover. First down, we come out and we run right into the line, and it's almost like okay, there's another th- uh, three and out. And we're going to punt it again. Um, it's just frustrating. And those those fourth quarter losses, it's all we can't get out of their own way. Or uh, I think, James, you, you mentioned something earlier with the Giants that, that kind of hit home with me. Is the defense playing really well? But by the second quarter, they're gassed. Yeah. By the fourth quarter in some of those games, we're up by one. The defense is balling. And they, they were gassed as well. You know, Or just there has to be some juice that this offense is bringing to the defense. I mean, it was the same thing as what, you know, Matt Nagy's first year when we're, when the bears go 12 and four, but half the time we had to just hope and pray that the defense had a pick six or caused some big turnover because the offense led by Mitch Trubisky, uh, you know, just wasn't producing. And I want to hope and pray that this is a, a, a rookie thing. Cause I truly do believe that Justin Fields can be a good quarterback in this league. I believe that he is very talented, uh, there are pieces on this offense. I would like to go see us get another receiver. Um, maybe, you know, I, I mean, I love Montgomery at, at the running back spot, but I, I truly believe that we are one or two, you know, skill guys away. And then, of course, showing up this offensive line, maybe adding another interior uh, D line guy, uh, especially if we're going to be losing Akeem Hicks. But yeah, it's it's just been a it's just been a frustrating year. You mentioned all of those, and then that's the worst part is because they're they, they've all been winnable games. It's not like they're getting you know they're we're a four and ten team that's gotten blown out every time. Sure, they've we've had some bad losses. You talk about you know Tampa Bay coming in and just having their way with us, and you know Arizona pretty much dominating us. But other than that, they're been pretty close i mean not everything's been a one score game but you you mentioned it the the amount of times we're going in the fourth quarter leading a game and uh we come out on on the wrong side james you've been awfully quiet Mm. i mean (laughs) what what am i supposed to say about the bears they're like the giants well i'll tell you this dalvin tomlinson still making plays for the giants last night once a giant always a giant yeah Alvin Tomlinson. They need to give him a bigger helmet. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. got he, he's got a head like the size of a farm animal. So, <laughs> um, yeah, he he's such a good player. But anyway, Cole Komet, six catches for seventy one yards. I think he's their best pass catcher outside of Robinson. I mean, this might sound like a tongue in cheek type of question, Andy, but 
do the Bears need to target him more? Because it seems like when they get Komet involved, they have a lot of success. And I think Matt Nagy is just not really understanding that, that I think. He doesn't ever know what he wants to do. Like, it's just, yeah. I like Komet a lot. Uh, there have been a few instances where he's dropped some balls where we've absolutely needed him to catch. Uh, he was great last night. Um, I do think he is a very good pass catcher. I'd probably put Mooney uh, up there more uh, uh, above Komet. I, I do really like Komet. I think he's important. I think he's going to be very big for us going forward. Um, but, yeah, you are correct because anything, anytime we can get Komet going over the middle, he he runs great routes. He's a great <clears throat> route runner. If And some of the drops that he's had – have I mean let's I'm not going to put them all 100% on him. Fields is going to learn his accuracy is going to get a little bit better at least you'd hope he's going to have to put some of these balls a little bit closer to the numbers. Um but if it hits you in the hands, it's tough to say that uh you you shouldn't catch it. I I do like Komet. I've been frustrated with him a couple times so far this year, but I do think he's very important to the offense and what he's able to do just opening up the middle. All right, so we're all going to take a vote now. Um, and I, I, do, I do agree with you, Andy. I think getting him open over the middle of the field should be a priority for this offense. Uh, are the Bears firing their headmaster, Matt Nagy? Yes. Yeah. They're not. They're not. We've, they, we've never, they've never fired a coach uh, midseason. So I think that's why they haven't done it yet. But I, like, what, what, what has he shown you? This year, I know, you know, talking about a guy that was 2018 coach of the year, he did make the playoffs, but I mean, the past two years, they were eight and eight. They go from, he goes from 12 and four to eight and eight to eight and eight. And he's about to be, I mean, who else? I mean, we've, we have four wins, but with two of those are against the Detroit lions. True. James says no. Um, It's really tough for me. Like I'm leaning yes, but I know the Bears, and they're they're very similar to the Giants, in <laughs> where they struggle to move on from players and people. Like exactly. the Bears, Bengals, Giants, and Vikings are all very similar organizations that model their organization around consistency. You know, they don't like the fire. So I get it. Um, Brian McArdle has a comment, uh, but I will say yes so that we we don't split. I do think he's going to get axed. So three to one in favor of firing Matt Nagy. Brian McArdle, Ryan Day coming to a soldier field near you. I'm not sold on hiring college football coaches to be, that, have, that have zero NFL experience. No. Not I'm not either. And I know he had success. I know he had success with Fields at Ohio State, but I I don't love it. I'll be honest. Something I wanted to add to, to James's point, and this is why I still think it's going to be yes. But the argument that I would have in favor of what James said and disagreeing and saying that Nagy's going to return is that after the way the field situation was handled and he verbally basically ousting him, saying that he did not want to play him, and yet he's still here, I I think there's an argument to be said that maybe they don't plan on moving on from it at all. Because after what happened in that Cleveland game, I don't don't even understand how he came back to coach the rest of the season. I, I, I don't understand that. You want to talk about being set up for failure? That's his rookie debut as an NFL quarterback. 
after a coach basically stated, we're going to stay, start Andy Dalton no matter what because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to play him. Their guy that they traded up for in the draft, they don't want to play that quarterback. And yet he's still here. That would be the argument why I think that maybe there's a case in which he stays. That's yeah, and it would be like the most bearish thing of all time, Tom. Like you said, you know, that like if they were just like, Yeah, we're gonna try this again, you know what? We're run it back. Um, but it's just like he every opportunity he has had, like in the media, he I think he has said the wrong thing, like every time. <laughs> it's just like it's there's never been one good soundbite that this guy has has ever said i mean you i mean talk about as far as recently uh, at halftime of the fucking sunday night game of, of the packers because i'm having a lot of fun right now it's like okay that's awesome but let's go win a football game like let's <laughs> let's like focus on the task at hand we, nobody thought we'd be up by six right now let's let's act like it and then we all i mean we all know what happened after that Hank's got a comment, says he thinks the Steelers are pretty similar in that department. Uh, well, yeah, Tomlin's been there forever. They've had three head coaches since the merger. So mm-hmm. that's – that. but for good reason, right? Yeah, Bengals, Hank, those, right. Hank, yeah. those coaches don't lose, though. Tomlin's never had a losing season. Oh, nice ball from her. That's why uh, – that's why they have structured themselves into not parting with people because those guys that they hire usually don't lose. Yep. They don't hire bad coaches like Chicago does. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, the Steelers have never uh, done it either, I don't think. I think they're, it's like uh, the Steelers, the Bears, and I think there might be one other franchise, but I'm not sure. He just hit Goddard, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, not good for me. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, Brian says, to be clear, I would not want day either if I'm a Bears fan. I just think it could happen. He said this before. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know, Brian, I know. Uh, and I remember you had told me that you had saw something about that. I, you probably sent us the article about him being a package dealer or whatever, which, I mean, we'll see what happens. It would definitely be a splash higher, and I'm not going to say I'm, like, rooting, if, rooting for it to fail, but, I mean, I would rather go after, you know, some coach with some NFL experience, not even necessarily NFL head coaching experience, but somebody that's coaching in the NFL right now, a coordinator I mean, hopefully, I mean, in my, like, wildest dreams, I'd I'd love for them to go get a guy like Brian Dable in Buffalo or who else? The enemy? The enemy, the enemy would be awesome. Uh, yeah, obviously. Um, I think Cooper Rush might be a name out there. Cooper Rush would be would would be good, too, which is crazy for me to say. Um, wait, wait, but, wait, yeah. Wait, wait. As a head coach? Yeah. Cooper Rush, doesn't he still play in the NFL? No, isn't that the uh, isn't that the offense coordinator? Oh, no, no. yeah, Cooper. No, 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 uh, what's his name? It's uh, isn't that? That's not no, Cooper Rush is the quarterback. It's uh, God damn it! It's the guy that played at Boise State. Kellen Moore. Uh, Kellen, Kellen Moore, Moore. Yes, Kellen Moore. There you go. Thanks, Tom. There you no go. problem. No Kellen problem. Moore, I think they're, they're trying to find the next Sean McVay. That's basically what they're trying to do. Right. Um. Comment section's blowing up right now. Uh, <laughs> Hank says, yes, but the Steelers are a team that's on the on the decline at the moment. Yes, because you have an Asian quarterback and no offensive line with skilled players there, similar to the Giants. Totally understand that point. Uh, Brian says, Tom's thinking of Cooper Cup. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Cooper Rush is a quarterback. I believe he started a game. I think he's on the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I no, he's he actually played for Dallas this year and won the game against the Vikings. Yeah. And it was funny. He was on the Giants' ninety-man roster last offseason. But anyway, uh, <laughs> one positive from the. I mean, Dalvin Cook was neutralized, which was nice. Uh, yeah. They held him to eighty-nine yards on twenty-eight carries, though. Uh, but problem is. The Bears' offensive line was horrendous. DJ Wanu, who half the country probably never heard of him before this game, sadly, had three sacks. Uh, so the Vikings' defense, we have to give their defense credit as well. While their yeah. offense may have not been great, mm-hmm. they lost Thurv Smith, who was supposed to be their tight end this year at the start of the season. They didn't have Adam Thielen playing. Uh, pretty much they, they were doomed going in going into this season and they still found a way to win in Chicago, which is very impressive. It's a divisional game on the road. Say what we want about the Vikings. They've been the most hot and cold team all all year long, and they're a fringe playoff team at this time or a fringe outsider. You could argue either one, but the NFC is so deep, man. I don't, I just don't, I don't know if they're going to get in. We, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I think their defense yeah. is starting to improve a lot, though. Their defense, their, I mean, the, you know, credit where credit is due. Their defense is good. They lead, they lead the NFL in sacks uh, defensively. I mean, I mentioned it before. Thanks, Walt. Uh, yeah, they are. <laughs> I mean, I can't disagree. I just say, just say thank you and, and move on. Um, I like the next comment, though, that, that he put there. That's a good one. Um, yeah. There we go, ILL. Um, but, yeah, I mean, credit where credit is due. I mean, I said it uh, in the preseason. I mean, what Minnesota, that's what they did this offseason. They shored up that defensive line. They brought in multiple guys, including your guy, Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, to, you know, create havoc and, and be a real yeah. Mike Zimmer, tough-nosed defense. Uh, and, of course, you have the emergence of Justin Jefferson. I say emergence as if his rookie year wasn't enough. Uh, now, especially, you have him as their true number one with Thielen out. Uh, so I know th- I, I know they're missing guys. Credit they, they won. They came on the road. They beat us in Chicago. But it's just it's another one of those that it leaves you a bad taste in your mouth. I just – as what, – what what is it right now? You've got uh, the Packers. You have the Rams, the Cat- and then you the have Chicago Rams. again. They're not making right. the playoffs with that schedule. They're not. Those next two games are going to be losses, and then Chicago at home again. They've been the topsy turvy team in the NFL. Just when you think they're a good team, they lose and give Detroit Lions their first win of the season. So it's it's very difficult to bet anything against Minnesota because of the fact that they don't show you any consistency. They have a good team on paper, and they have a solid head coach, I think, that a lot of people around the league and in NFL fandom people respect. But at the same point in time, they can't seem to figure it out. They they have the roster assembled, but they can't figure it out again. Same kind of similar situation. They can't figure out what to do with it and how to play complete football games. We need Gabe right now. We really need Gabe Flayton. We need Um, Gabe. Gabe Gabe resolves all my problems in life. He helped me pick out my (laughs) he helped me pick out my sneakers uh, several months ago. You know, he's such a good guy. If only he could help out the Minnesota Vikings and their football team. Because when they were five and five, I I I ran into him uh, one night when I went out unexpectedly yet again, and I told him. You guys are making the playoffs. I really think you are. This was right after they beat Green Bay because they've given Green Bay one of their three losses this year. Um, I don't know. Like, if they sweep Green Bay, which I don't think will happen, but if they do, they deserve to be in 100%. 
I think they have to win two out of these last three games to to get in, right? Because they're seven and seven, then they would be nine and eight. Yeah. So I think that would get them in as a seven seed, which I think they currently hold right now. And their conference strength of schedule or their conference record is better than the Saints. So they have the, the tiebreaker over them. The only other two teams we're really talking about after that is Washington and Philly. Are they the seven? They're the seven seed? Minnesota currently is the seven. Okay. Well, maybe. Fun fact I believe Zimmer is the longest tenured coach without a Lombardi. You know where he went to college, right? Roll Birds. Zimmer right. is, a, is an Illinois State product. Um, yeah, man. I mean, Tom, we, we've had our we've had our spats about about Minnesota this year, but we've had. I, yeah, I mean, you, you, you know, it's in the closet. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I don't know. I, I thought it was funny how much the broadcast last night mentioned, like how much these teams like hate each other. And it's like we don't, we're not really like huge rivals. It's like Bears fans. We hate Packers fans. Sure, we don't like them, but it's like there's no real hatred. They're just fucking Vikings. If I pull up your if I pull up your Twitter feed from last night, there might be some hate, hate hatred on there. There was a lot of hatred last night. There was a lot last night. You can I'm not gonna do that to you though. Mm-hmm. Um Noah, oh, Noah Dibler, Merry Early Christmas to all the boys. Oh, another fan of another bad football team joining us. Noah, thank you so much. Um hey, at least Noah's team tonight. At least Noah's team is Six and eight, they're better than both of ours. He's, his team's better than both of ours. So who's that? Really well, talk, who's his team? Atlanta Falcons. Oh god damn it! <laughs> I, my two of my old roommates were Falcons fans, and it just pains me whenever they're like good. Even though I mean they're not great, but I mean they're better than my team. So, um, so we're gonna move on from the Chicago Bears. Um, at least Noah got to enjoy a World Series this yeah. year. This is very factual. Folks, mm-hmm. keep the comments coming. Really appreciate all the support. We we, we love it. Our Christmas holiday-themed show here tonight. Also, um, you know, happy holidays to any to anybody who, whatever you may celebrate. Um, the Chiefs beat the Chargers in overtime last week on Thursday night. Football, uh, Travis Kelsey had the game-winning touchdown catch, and Tyreek Hill scored a touchdown. Now, when I was making this script – Gentlemen, I was going to ask, are the Chiefs the kings of the AFC? But now 13 players are on the COVID list. Harrison Bucker, out Sunday. Tyreek Hill, likely out Sunday. Travis Kelsey as well, likely out on Sunday. That is not good news at all. Um, As long as Patrick Mahomes is healthy, I think they have a chance. But my gosh, this couldn't be worse possible timing because you're trying to wrap up the number one seed. And granted, you beat the Chargers, so you're probably winning the division now. But you just my gosh, this, that was offsides. This is really un- unlucky for Kansas City. I-, I mean, I'll still ask the question though: though, do we think they're the kings of the AFC right now? Uh, I don't know. To be honest with you, I, I really don't know. I, you know, they're on a seven-game win streak. And really the only quality win in which they have came against the Chargers this past Thursday in the seven-game win streak. And while it was highly impressive, if you watch the game in its entirety, the Chiefs' offense didn't show up until like the final 10 minutes of the fourth quarter. And again, if if you're a Chiefs fan, maybe you feel okay with that because you're comfortable in saying that 
but we have a quarterback that can turn it on just like that. And that's exactly what they did. But when you play really good other teams, you can't do that. You can't play like that. The Chargers are a team that played really, really good football this entire game. I was really happy with the way that Justin Herbert played, Austin Eckler played, Keenan Allen, uh, Mike Williams. They had some great performances. Mm -hmm. The defense just made a couple mistakes, especially in that overtime. Touchdown to Travis Kelsey. We're watching him run and juke out three, four defenders. I mean, how, how, do you, how do you let that happen on the defensive side of the ball? In fact, I think they were – Tom, I, I, I remember you referencing this guy. I think this is your guy. They were targeting Drew Tranquil all night. They were oh, targeting Notre him all Dame night. guy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> guy who and, never wanted to graduate, played six years at Notre Dame. And they, were, and they were taking advantage of him all night on the defense, on the yeah. Chargers' defense. Are they the – New Kings in town, or are they the Kings of the AFC? I really don't know. Again, a lot of people last year, if you remember, and I don't think this is the same type of similar comparison, but remember when everybody was hyped on Pittsburgh last year when they won 11 straight? Mm-hmm. Again, the Chiefs are not this same team that Pittsburgh is, where you knew they really weren't the best of teams, but they were on a win streak. The Chiefs are a great team, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. They haven't beaten the best of teams, and when they've played the best of teams, they've lost. They've lost. So, uh, hold on. They beat Dallas. I know Hill is watching. Also. They played. They, they played Dallas with uh, uh, Ceedee Lamb going down with a concussion and without Amari yeah. Cooper. Hold on, Hill. We appreciate the comment. Nice onesie, uh, Russo. What up, Jay and <laughs> LOL, uh, James and Andy Hopper. Um, Hill, congratulations on the win Sunday, and congratulations on virtually clinching the 2021 NFC East title. I will admit yet again, you were right. I was wrong. Uh, the Cowboys <laughs> are the NFC East winners and the Giants are, you know, not good. You're not, not going. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, dude, this game, Look, I own me, it when I'm, I own it when I'm wrong. You yeah, no, you did. Good. Yeah, you did. Good. That, that, that was very big of you. Tom. I'm proud of you. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> give yourself a pat on the back. This, 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 <laughs> Thank this, you, sir. Right. <laughs> the Chiefs. I mean, what, what was the t- the talk like all year? At the beginning of the year, was like, oh, what's wrong with the Chiefs? What's wrong with the Chiefs? Patrick Mahomes doesn't look the same. Uh, you know, they weren't really moving. The defense was not playing very well at all. They get a couple guys back, um, and now obviously out probably again with these thirteen. Um, players on the COVID list. But as far as this Chargers Chief game go, this game was absolutely gifted or given to Kansas City by Brandon Staley. There has got to be a point where you have to take the points. And you, like, especially yeah. at the end of the half, the end of the first half with three seconds, well, like, on a fourth, like... One for five on fourth down conversion. That's the game. It's and the they, game. Were, and they, were all, they were all in the red zone, too. So, so... At the end of the half, so there's three seconds left. If you get the field goal, yeah, you take the three points. Mm-hmm. If you don't get it, you get nothing and the half ends. If that's like, let's say, you know, five minutes left in the second quarter, you you don't get the fourth down, you pin the you pin the Chiefs offense deep. Sure. But there's no time left. Take you take those three points. This game doesn't even go into overtime, and the Chargers walk out of there with a victory. It this 
I love how I love being aggressive. I do like how Brandon Staley has, I don't want to say revolutionized it, but it does feel like more teams are going for it on fourth downs now, whether that be analytics or, or what have you. But at a certain point, if your team all game hasn't gotten a fourth down, maybe just take some points. May like it, he absolutely mismanaged that game, man. Absolutely right. mismanaged yeah. that game. Well, to Hill's point, when you live and die by analytics, sometimes you die. Yeah. Um, You know, so I understand, like, you always have a guy there who's like a statistician who's telling you, oh, this is great. But when you grew up with the Tom Coughlin School of Coaching, you're always taught to take the points when necessary, especially, you know, in that situation, you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. There's certain areas of the field that you should go for. There's certain points in the game that you should go for. Not every single time. I mean, they were going for it early on in this game. I mean, they were pretty much playing, like, to destroy them from, you know, which they were trying to lose the game from the start, I felt like. Uh, yeah. Not good. And more comments coming, Hey. Appreciate this. Uh, we'll talk more about our New York Giants on Big Blue Avenue on Thursday. I don't think we've seen our last win of the season, just a heads up. Uh, I know that intrigues all of you guys who that win may be against. Uh, <laughs> I'm always of the opinion that you're the favorite until proven otherwise. Chiefs won the AFC back-to-back seasons and made the AFC championship game three straight years. And Noah, you're correct. The only thing that has kept the Chiefs out of the Super Bowl in the last three years was Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. At a point. Uh, my problem is... <laughs> and I Justin think- Houston. And Justin Houston, if you remember that infamous play. Ooh. True. Callback. Um, it did win them the Cleveland game. He's got a point. Um, it's rolling no, like the dice, man. Yeah. It's uh, – oh, Thanks, Noah. Appreciate that. It, I mean, it is – it's such a gray area because I know it's like, oh, if you go for it here, the win percentage goes up by 8% or whatever. If you kick it, it goes down by this much. But it's just like – I like the numbers. I like, like, you know, thinking about it that way. But at a certain point, you've got to, like, do it on the field. Like, Right? I mean, and if you're not executing on the field, take some points like that. That is I, I, I'm OK with it. I like how he's been aggressive because I praised him earlier in the year. I'm sure I did. I think I did it on my own show. Talked about how I like it. But there has to be a certain point where, you know, you, you got to stop and think a little bit more. I know you're in the heat of the moment. You're in the game. It can be hard to do that sometimes. But I, it, it, if I'm a Chargers fan or I mean, I or in that Chargers locker room, you don't want to blame a loss on one person. But especially yeah. if I'm Brandon Staley, it's it's hard for me not to be like, yeah, hey, guys, that's on me. And the other thing is, too, you know, because Dustin Hopkins, you got to remember, he started off with another football team early this year, and he got released because he wasn't playing well. Mm-hmm. And he missed some kicks for the Chargers as well. The biggest yeah. thing is, as I said earlier, one for five on fourth down conversions, and most of them were in the red zone within five, ten they yards. They were like the, of the five yard line. So, if you don't even believe in your kicker to kick a 25 yard chip shot, you know, why is he even on the roster as your starting kicker? Exactly. That's a well, great point. Moving on from this game, uh, I want to talk about one more game and then get everybody's game of the week. Uh, the Patriots are upset by the Indianapolis Colts. 
on Saturday night. They lose 27 to 17 behind a miraculous 57 passing yards from Carson Wentz, five of 12 <laughs> through the air. But Jonathan Taylor, who has already entered himself in the MVP discussion, 29 carries for 170 yards and one touchdown. Job well done, Indianapolis. They are now eight and six and the number five seed in the AFC playoff picture excuse me um are the Colts legit because I think right now they're a team that could make some noise they're a wild card team that could surprise people they get hot at the right time they have a, in my opinion they have the best offensive line in the NFL um they have a really good defense with guys like the Forrest Buckner Darius Leonard um they're dangerous. They're and they're well coached. They're they're well coached. They have Frank Reich. Uh, I really like him, and uh, you hope Blankenship gets healthy. I don't know what his situation is, um, but their special teams has been pretty good all year as well. So, do we think the Colts are legit, and should we be concerned about the Patriots, or was this just kind of like one of those games where it was two good football teams going at it? I, I want to bring this up because I haven't heard not one single person bring this up ever. And Frank Reich is a mastermind for doing it. Last week, the Buffalo Bills lost to the New England Patriots with Mac Jones throwing the ball three times. And they won the fifth ball running the entire game. Frank Reich game plans against Bill Belichick. Carson Wentz throws the ball only 12 times, only completes five passes, <laughs> runs the football the entire game. And that's the reason why they won. But what I will say with this Colts team, which is why I, I don't believe in them that much, as great as Jonathan Taylor in, is, and as great as this defense is for the Colts, Carson Wentz, even though his season's been great, he's been shaky at a lot of times and made a lot of bad decisions with the football. The infamous Tampa game in which he played one of the best halves of his entire career, first half of his entire career, and then he single-handedly lost them the game because they had faith and trusted him to play quarterback. Now, I could say the same thing about Mac Jones being a rookie because he didn't have the greatest of performances either. If it's not for a special teams error by the the punt team and their line giving up the touchdown return, you know, this is a game in which the Patriots come back and win in the fourth quarter as bad as they played throughout the first three quarters. And that's because Carson Wentz, when the, you know, when the ball was in his hands and he had to make decisions, he played bad. And again, now has somebody found an answer to stop Jonathan Taylor? No. And I thought going into this week, I thought the Patriots were one of the only defense uh, defenses that could do that. And again, while Jonathan Taylor did have a 69-yard touchdown at the end, before that, he still rushed for over 100 yards on the ground. But at the same time, this is Bill Belichick we're talking about. You saw the way he reacted after the game. This is something that he's going to look at, go back onto the drawing boards, and he's going to game plan strictly against for. I'm not going to say that the Colts got lucky in a sense because they played a, a hell of a football game on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball. But when it comes down to who I trust, I just don't know, and I don't know your guys' take. I don't know if I personally, again, I don't think that anybody's found a game plan to stop Jonathan Taylor, but if somebody does, do you trust Carson Wentz in, to win the football game throwing it? especially with the receivers that I don't think that he necessarily has right now. I think it's Michael Pittman and that's about it in terms of throwing the football. I mean, I factual, I've been on the anti Carson Wentz train for a couple of years now. I just, what is, is 
it's a what have you done for me lately type situation. It's can you stay healthy when you are healthy? Can you take care of the ball and not make stupid mistakes? Um, but yeah, I, I, I think Jonathan Taylor has completely inserted himself into this MVP conversation. And I know who's he really going up against right now, like Rodgers and Brady. I'd love to see Taylor win it uh, over over the two of those guys, if, I, if I'm being completely honest, just because I think he has absolutely been to the key to the the Colts, you know, winning streak and the and the Colts kind of resurgence here this year. It's because he's kind of similar to Derrick Henry, in my opinion. It's it's teams really haven't figured out how to stop him yet. I mean, we saw what this guy did at Wisconsin. He was an absolute machine. Yeah. Uh, so this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. You can say what you want about you know him getting burnt out and and have too much you know tread on uh, tread on his legs already through you know his four years in college, but. I mean, I, I never was one, was one to think about that, but he is my MVP so far this year. I think the Colts are for real, and it's just a matter of, you know, kind of molding those pieces together. Obviously, you don't want to be a completely one-dimensional football team, which I don't think they are. I do think they can move the ball through the air if they absolutely have to, but, I mean, you said it. It, it's, it, it sucks, like, obviously watching those games, like watching the, the fucking New England and uh, Buffalo, watching Mac Jones only – attempt like three passes like it's not fun to watch uh at least in my opinion i mean i'm sure colts fans don't love carson wentz only completing five passes but if they walk out of there with a victory you mean you feel a lot better about it so yeah well andy just remember who handed the ball off to jonathan Taylor all those years when he was at wisconsin jack cone i do remember watching my line i beat both of them Oh, uh, oh, okay. Man. There's another dig in. Uh, yeah. But uh, the comment section is blowing up, so I got to get to it. Uh, I want you to, you should pull up Hank's comment because I have a take on this. This, this one, right? Yes. I'm not on Harbaugh's side for going for it. Why didn't he go for it when they were down eight and they scored a, they scored a touchdown? Because that would make more sense to me. Let Rodgers be. You have Huntley playing out of his mind. Yeah, I, again, it's another thing of being aggressive here, but it's like, of course, okay, you get it. You're up one. You still give Rodgers forty. You give Rodgers forty seconds or whatever. You don't get it. It's over. Like, why not at least give yourself a chance to extend the game? That 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 was my uh, whole thing there. It's because like it, it's becoming you know like. This is as football evolves, right? Like there were, we talked about people going for it more on fourth downs. People are going for two more. That used to be like so rare. That used to be like your best play, right? That used to be the one mm-hmm. that was, you know, they're they're not going to see coming. Now people are doing it so often. We're running out of best plays here. Like at at, at some at some point, people are going to figure it out. I'm a proponent of taking the field goal there, kick tying the game. Yeah. I I know you still give you never want to give Aaron Rodgers. Any time on the clock, and, and I guess yeah, you don't want to hope that you win the coin toss uh, in overtime, but it's just such it just takes all the air out of the stadium that where, where that you had been building all the momentum you were building coming back in that game. Tyler Huntley playing amazing. He's going to get paid, by the way. He somebody is going to pick him up and be a starter. Um, I, I mean, I kicked the field goal there. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I, no, I agree with you. Yeah, I yeah. agree with you one hundred percent. And it's not even for just being aggressive or, or using your best play in the playbook. It's while Tyler Huntley is, is great, if you're a Ravens fan, I think you feel more comfortable with if that's Lamar going for it, not mm-hmm. Tyler Huntley. And if that's not enough for you, 
John Harbaugh was telling, you know, Justin Tucker, stay back. The best kicker, arguably, of all time. Stay back. Stay on the field. We, we don't need you to get this chip shot going to overtime. How do you do that? Why do you do that? Especially because he did the same thing earlier in the season and lost that game, too, based on his play mm-hmm. call. And it's got to be a factor of being aggressive because I, I saw this this morning, uh, a graphic on Instagram. If the Ravens won that game, complete that two-point conversion, they have the number one seed in the AFC. But now after not completing it, they're all the way at the bottom. I believe they're the seventh or eighth seed. So I guess that's the aggressiveness in the play. Again, you don't know how much that plays a factor into it. Do you know if you're going to be the number one seed or not? But at the same point in time, knowing that it didn't work before with Lamar Jackson, you already told the best kicker of all time to stay on the benches. Why would you do it again with the backup as well? As good as Tyler Huntley has played, I, I wouldn't have done that. But that's just me. While I see where Hank's coming from, uh, mm-hmm. and I usually agree with Hank about 90% of the time, I'm going to have to defer on this one as well, uh, especially coming from the Tom Coughlin School of Coaching. You kick the extra point and you go to overtime, and you're at home. You're at home. Yeah. It's not like right. you're on the road. You have more yeah. of an excuse and free pass to do it. Maybe not free pass, but a pass to do it if you're on the road. Right. And that's that's one situation where you just want to get out there with the W and not risk it. But uh, the comment section is pouring up right now. That's disgusting. But shout out to the, <laughs> the, the comment section. Um, let's go, Cowboys. I can't believe I just repeated that, but uh, I did. Tom, how dare you? Go wash your mouth out. Go wash your mouth out, Tom. There is a bar of soap over there. <laughs> All right. Not, go get it. Come within, on. It's not within uh, arm's reach. <laughs> Hot Rod. Uh, Hank said, even so, that backup QB did pretty well. He did, but uh, we'll see. I don't trust Wentz to tell That's me his name is Carson. Yeah. In the <laughs> well, Andy, <laughs> I mean, that name Carson is pretty common. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah. Wink, wink. <laughs> Yeah, wink, wink. Wentz in Indy reminds me of Ryan Tannehill. Good quarterback, elite running game. He can put up great numbers most games. What will they do when he has to have a game where he needs to pass them back into the game? Right. Good point. Mm-hmm. It's and one of Hill yeah agrees. It's one. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like if if you are the Colts, you just hope that you don't have to play from behind, right? You're yeah. just like, oh, well, you just have to hope and pray that you get out to a lead and you're able to, you know, whether your first with 10, 15 plays are scripted or not, you're able to get some momentum. And, you know, I mean, that that just makes it tough. Yeah, I, I do agree with that, Noah. It's a good point. Uh, Two-point conversions are poke going for it fourth. You can if you're a genius. You don't. You're an idiot. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. AFC standings are ridiculously close. All fair points. But even if the game was in Pluto, I'd be scared of that bad man, Aaron Rodgers. That's another thing, too. That's got to be something to talk about. You know, even if you tie it up, you give Aaron Rodgers back the ball in overtime. I mean, if you saw, I don't know if you saw what Aaron Rodgers said after the game uh, in a press conference talking about Devontae Adams. There was a picture posted of him being in double coverage just the entire game, and he still managed to torch the Ravens defense. Yeah. And he said that's the greatest respect that you could ever gain is when you have to literally game plan like that. So I guess well, that that's a fair point, Hank, to go with your argument is that do you really want yeah. to give him back the ball in overtime? You don't. And I, I do get that part of the argument. But if you're the defense, if you're the Ravens defense, doesn't that kind of piss you off a little bit saying, hey, my coach doesn't trust me to go get a stop when I need it? 
I mean, no Marlon Humphrey, no Marcus Peters. Uh, I could, I could understand, but still, uh, that you're does right. make sense. Yeah, they, 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 <clears throat> they turn things around. I, yeah, I see both sides of the argument, but I mean, <clears throat> at the end of the day, I'm not an NFL head coach. I'm, I'm yeah. sitting here, so. Just keeping it a hundred, boys. I think everyone's most shocking moment of this week was the Detroit Lions upsetting the fraudulent Arizona Cardinals. I've said this all year. You're putting the F words. You know what the most fraudulent (laughs) the Arizona Cardinals Twitter account still has not tweeted the final score of that game. Give the people what they want. Give the Detroit Lions fans what they deserve. Tweet the final, you cowards. Dan Campbell is a head coach, and uh, he was my favorite hire this past hiring cycle because I have an attachment to him. He is a former Giants player. Uh, He was a part of that team that made the Super Bowl back in 2000. And realistically Mm -hmm. speaking, it's hard not to like that guy. Mm -hmm. Um, He's such a guy's guy. He's he's like he's like football guy to the max. You see the pictures of him when he was playing. He had like the sickest flow you've ever seen. He looks like uh, the dude from uh, Big Lebowski. Uh, it's just he, he, he and his players obviously love him. Like you know, it's like I, I think you mentioned it earlier, Kyle. It's like they lost pretty much like everything. They're working, you know, with Jared Goff, who say what you want about Jared Goff, but hasn't been three touchdowns. Yeah, he. I mean, the, the past three weeks, he's looked pretty good. I, I'm yeah. not trying to take any anything away from Jared Goff because I do actually like him. Um, but, you know, he's not working with the most talented roster in the NFL. But <laughs> the thing that I've liked the most about the Detroit Lions all year is they haven't quit. You see a lot yeah. on teams like my, my team here, the Chicago Bears, where you can kind of get a sense – that the team, that the coach has kind of lost the locker room. And I know it's hard for a first-year coach to really do that. But, I mean, I've, I've, I want to commend Dan Campbell and the staff for keeping this team engaged, keeping a 2-11-1 football team, you know, engaged and ready to go. Absolutely. Yeah. You couldn't have said that better. Noah has them beating Atlanta the day after Christmas. Moneyline, hammer it. I'm in. <laughs> we could we could use his offensive mind. Uh, Dan Campbell was a player on the Giants with Jason Garrett. Hank, fun fact, which I'm sure you knew, but they were both players on the Giants at the same time. Uh, Kyler Murray is used to coming up short since going to the amusement park when he was five. Oh, that, okay, that's, that's so that's mean. That's uh, mean. Kyler, listen, mean, listen. I love Kyler, and I think he's been electric. I do think he's a good quarterback, but there have been a couple throws the past two weeks where the the short argument is kind of valid, where it's literally like, was he even able to see over that defensive lineman that just tipped the ball? Like, and I mean, I'm not short shaming. I'm not high shaming anybody here. Yeah. I, I anybody should be allowed to play. And I, again, the the whole argument. I'm glad the whole argument of him. He should have taken the contract. The athletics is done because that was just complete bullshit. Uh, there's only 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, he can go play f- fucking minor league baseball whenever he wants. Um, anyway, yes. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> um, Right. Yeah, what are we talking about the Lions? About or is that, yeah, is it, was, uh, that, was that like what's their ceiling next year? What do the Lions have to do to like win more than five games? That's my question. Be healthy and 
just have a decent draft. I don't think they had a bad draft this year. Uh, I mean, this no, was the – wasn't this the guy that was like the Rams president forever, drafted all those great players over when he was a part of Los Angeles? Yeah. And he had a pretty good draft this year. I mean, look at uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, just mm-hmm. quiet the entire first half of the season. He's been very good <laughs> the last couple games. The other thing, too, is DeAndre Swift, that's like – he runs their whole offense. TJ Hawkinson has been hurt. Uh, somebody that's not really been talked about that much, kind of an under-the-radar type of guy. The Rams released Josh Reynolds earlier this yeah. season, and he's been like magic with, with Jared Goff since being mm-hmm. a Detroit Lion. He's been that's pretty been, good. They should just do that. Whenever Whatever L.A. Rams just hit the waiver wire should immediately just be picked up by Detroit and just, just, just see what happens. Yeah, but they've been Josh good. Reynolds, former Ram with Jared Goff, and pray Matt Nagy stays employed. I do agree because that yeah. could help Detroit's. Definitely uh, could. Definitely <laughs> could help them out. And listen, they uh, get a they get a guy potentially depending upon where their seating is. If they get a uh, Michigan alum and Aiden Hutchinson in the draft, if they get a Kayvon Thibodeau potentially. That's that's that can improve upon that defense that played very well against a very dominant offensive Arizona Cardinals team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. tough. Only other thing I got to say from week 15 is Bucks are blanked by the Saints 9 0. Uh, Tom Brady shut out. Gross. No, uh, Chris Godwin <laughs> tears his ACL. Mike Evans leaves with a hamstring injury, and Leonard Fournette gets placed on IR. And uh, Tom, real quick, another awful. one, too. I don't know if you saw it. Levante David is expected to miss the rest of the regular season with a foot injury. Oh, and hold on that uh, that Surface Pro tablet he threw is on IR as well. It's probably out for the rest of the year. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, yeah, that game was weird. It's so what's Tom Brady like one and eight now in the regular season against the Saints? But it's so it's like Saints fans want to be like, okay, yeah, we own Tom Brady, we own the Bucks, but there is something to be said like that one. What was that one win? Uh, on the road in the Superdome in the playoffs in route to a, a Super Bowl. So hold some weight there. Uh, but yeah, this game was weird. It sucks. The Godwin's out for the rest of the year now. Um, it'd be interesting to see what the Bucks kind of do going forward, but they just, they are getting Antonio Brown back, fake backs card or not. Um, what else? The, so they, they still just have picked guys up, there. They just they're, picked they're, up Le'Veon. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah, they just picked up Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. <laughs> I did not yeah. see that. But Ronald Jones yeah. will, will be the guy. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, any. It, I'm just hard pressed to pick against Tom Brady a lot. I know he's like 50 million years old at this point, but it's just Don't do it. un, until Don't do I'm it. until I'm proven otherwise, I won't pick against him. There you I go. care about you all. We got to put that on a T-shirt. We, we really do. I think we can have like to go fun. on merch. With like Fonz's face, just like yeah, yeah. Out. That's Andy. If you if you watch Fonz, that's his that's his infamous quote when we talk about the Patriots. Because every time he yeah. doubts in Tom Brady, uh, not the Patriots, Tom Brady. Every time he doubts Tom Brady, he winds up to winning. Don't do Ryan McArdle, Kayvon tearing up, pairing up with ex Ducks teammate Panay Duell. I'm sure Lions fans would subscribe to that. That's our that's our little Todd McShay there. Bring in the heat. <laughs> yeah, Brian McArdle is like another version of Todd McShay. Usually everything he says is he's accurate. not full of shit. <laughs> well, you know what? He he got the Kyle Trask pr- prediction right. He got the Giants. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Except Saints, Brian's right? not full of shit. Like Giants, Todd McShay yeah. is. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
So live update uh, for these two games currently in progress at halftime, the Eagles and that team are tied 10 to 10. Um, Eric Gilbert at quarterback and Jalen Hurts threw a touchdown there, or I believe ran it in. Yeah, he ran it in before halftime and the Rams currently are tied with the Seahawks three to three third quarter just underway. That's a gross game. I thought that was going to be the better game. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this, the Rams have an opportunity to overtake the Cardinals lead tonight in the NFC West. If the Rams win, they will be the NFC West leaders. Mm. Crazy to even fathom that thought because of how well the Cardinals started off the season since going, what is it, seven and zero? The Cardinals are three and four. Yeah, yeah I mean, losing. My uh, God, losing. My God, losing Murray for the time in which they did, and losing D Hop, Chase Edmonds did really. Chase Edmonds, JJ Watt. Watt, yeah, that hurt. It all hurt. It's tough, tough shit. Um, so. Von Miller activated tonight for the Rams. Tyler Lockett out for the Seahawks. So a defensive battle um, before tonight. And still is a fact Jalen Hurts has not thrown a touchdown pass in the month of December. This is his first time playing in a game since week 12 at the Giants. Fun fact, Garrett Garrett Gilbert was signed off the New England Patriots practice squad this past Friday. On Tuesday evening, he is starting for the Washington football team. Love it. You want to talk about not knowing the playbook and Ron Rivera putting his balls on the table where it takes us two weeks to give Jake from garbage time minutes? I love football. Every game, yeah, you, want any to watch, game you want to watch a real football game tonight? Turn on ESPN. You got UTSA and San Diego State, 14 to 14 in the second quarter. You know what? And in fact, Pat Shermer's son is the backup quarterback tonight for Washington. Uh, Kyle Russo, uh, please express your opinion on on that and the Washington football team. Can this team make the playoffs with all the adversity they're dealing with right now? Because in the past, you've been very, very confident in this team. I have, and they've played very, very well as of recent. And I had all the faith in Taylor Heineke. In fact, that they've been 4-1 and in their last five games with some Quality wins, one against Tampa, one at Carolina, Seattle. They played tight against Dallas all the way down the stretch. And now without them, I mean, if they can get a win without them, that, that'll be huge. At Philadelphia, which is always tough to play for, no matter how good or bad the team is. Going to Dallas next week, that's a little tougher. But then rounding out the season with Philadelphia once again and the Giants, depending upon if they're healthy, which I think that they could be, granted that most of their – uh, people that are out are, are COVID-related stuff, so they should be back for next week. They have a chance to make a run. They do have a chance to make the uh, make a run. And now, are they going to get far? I don't think so. But as I stated earlier in the season, or uh, maybe about a month or two ago, defenses take longer to adjust and to turn around. And we we've seen that with this Washington football team's defense. What's even crazier to say in their adjustment is that somehow they've played better football without guys like Chase Young and Montez Sweat, who mm-hmm. last year could have been named as the best tandem of edge rushers in all of football. But in this season, the start of the season, they were by far the worst all-around defense in football, the way they were playing, the amount of yards they were giving up, the amount of points they were giving up. 
But if they keep on playing solid the way that they are, again, it's nothing flashy, the performances that they're having, but they're doing enough to win the football game, and then they're closing out the football games in which they play. So even last week, the week prior, when they played Dallas, when Dallas was joking around with them prior to the game even starting, bringing their benches to Washington, Mike McCarthy saying we're going to win, the whole team saying we're going to win, and then everybody gasps, Cole Holcomb returns for a touchdown, and Washington's still in the football game. They managed to compete all the way down to the wire, game in and game out, and I think that's what makes them so dangerous. Again, now these next couple matchups are against division rivals, so that's always going to be a tough factor. But again, with health, I think they have a real good opportunity to play, uh, to compete, especially because we talk about Dallas in high regard. Their offense has not looked great as of recent. While their defense has been lethal, their offense has not been anything to showboat about as of recent. So they could definitely compete with a team like Dallas. Yeah. I yep. mean, you pretty much said it well. I mean, you have a lot of faith in, in, in this team. Uh, you, you I love – I'm a big down. Ron Rivera guy. Big Ron yeah. Rivera guy. Um. FYI, the Seahawks just scored a touchdown to take the lead over the Rams. DJ Dallas with the run into the end zone from four yards out. So the Seahawks are in the lead. This week of football is just head scratching. So the Cardinals lose. Um, you know, we saw the John Harbaugh play. We saw the Bucks get shut out. A lot of stuff is happening this week, so it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward with three weeks left. And Noah in the comments section continuing to dominate here. Um, the Eagles and a team with no name being tied is a perfect summary of the rest of the NFC East. Former Bulldog John Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup is a potentially record-breaking duo. Uh, he's Triple right. crown. Triple crown. He's right. Oh, this one. Jalen Hurts is one of the worst NFL quarterbacks I have ever seen. I love this comment from Noah Dibler. I love this comment because we know Noah, a big Georgia Bulldogs fan. Oh, damn it. Uh, when Hurts was at Alabama, he, he lost his starting job and had to transfer to a Big 12 team. So, look, I mean, it, it's – I don't know if he's one of the worst – quarterbacks yet but there is potential i've seen um, worse i've watched a lot worse quarterbacks than jalen hurts I, I will tell you well, that. i mean you're a bears fan so i wouldn't expect exactly less i mean the best you get to talk about is jay cutler yeah i mean i love me some jay cutler too he was great uh, hey, rex couple. grossman rex grossman how about rex, that rex is our quarterback he, look he took you to a super bowl rex is he our quarterback to a super bowl um, rex is our quarterback which is why, uh, you know, uh, doesn't always matter how talented your quarterback is. Your that was another. I mean, it, it's the it. same thing. The Bears in their history have never had a four thousand yard passer in a season. We never have a good quarterback. We never have a quarterback that's worth the shit. It is defense. It's defense. It's defense, and it's running the ball. We're essentially a Big Ten football program. Old school. Mm-hmm. Roadrunners. But come on, uh, Roadrunners. They just got stuffed on fourth and one. Andy, I don't know if you could pay me $1,000 to recap 31 games again in an hour span. Uh, that was brutal at like oh, was, 9 a.m. on a Friday morning. That was, that was so much, dude. <laughs> that was a lot. That was a lot of games. 
We, we, we made Andy get up very early to start the show. <laughs> the 7 a.m. one was worse because I like rolled out of bed at 6.45 and I was like not even half awake. But by the end of that show, I got I got myself going. It was all right. Uh, but yeah, check it out from the Stands College Sports. We're always doing something fun on there. So I want all three of you and myself to give us our game of the week. For week 16 and Andy I'd like to start with you uh who is or what is your game of the week and why so I think I'm gonna go Bills Patriots here uh because I feel like the first time these teams matched up it really wasn't indicative of like it, it wasn't the real matchup we were gonna get here we were getting elements we're getting 30 mile an hour wins it's freezing cold you got one team that throws the ball three times like that is not a normal football game and I'm not saying every every game needs to be normal um I'm not saying every game needs to be in a dome with you know protective weather or everything but I truly feel like you will actually be able to see what the bills are truly made of. You can say what you want. Yes, they did really get run over um, by new England. So I, I look for the bills to back uh, like, like in a bounce back spot here. I know they did win this week, mm-hmm. but they came off. They're coming off. They're coming off a little bit disappointing stretch here. I look for them to be pissed off. I look for them to try to prove uh, that they are, you know, a, a better team than the Patriots. I don't know if that's true or not, because I mean, that's everybody. That's all we were talking about at the beginning of the year. It's oh, it's it's the Bills. It's the Bills. The Bills uh, in the AFC East. The, the we I I mean, I didn't see the Patriots being this good this year. So that, that's my game of the week, just because just the response. I'm excited to see what Sean McDermott's team is going to do this week and how they're going to respond uh, to the last time. I mean really getting whipped around by the Patriots. My game of the week, I love this matchup. Baltimore versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Both eight and six teams, probably one of the most confusing uh, confusing divisions in all of football, probably the tightest, one of the tightest divisions in all of football. Why I love this game so much is that it has so many implications as the Cincinnati Bengals uh, divisional matchups this year. They're three and one, while the Baltimore Ravens are one and three. And one of those losses that the Baltimore Ravens had was a 41 to 17 point score against the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore SmackDown earlier in the season. Lamar Jackson, I would expect to be back in this game. So this is a huge game for the Ravens to show up and potentially win. And same thing with the Cincinnati Bengals. As the record speaks, eight and six, they've been a really confusing team this year. You know, uh, against a Denver team who does have a solid defense, only a 15 to 10 final score. Uh, with essentially no quarterback, quarterbacking the football team, a solid run game, but still managed to barely get away with a victory. So I think this is potentially the best matchup of the week. We always love divisional matchups, especially with implications. What are we in week fifteen now? Week sixteen, it could potentially hold a lot of uh, a lot of positional playoff standings come the stretch of the end of the season. I like it, James. Ramsers Vikings. Short week for both teams. One's playing tonight, one played yesterday. It's pretty much a stamina race for both of them. Oh, man. I like Noah's game of the week. I, I like it a lot, James. I, I, I think the Rams and the Vikings will be a good game. Noah says uh, game of the week, New York Giants versus winning. Who would that um, be? No, I'm picking your game. Ah, man. 
That was funny, man. A lot of comments tonight, but that's my favorite. <laughs> that's that's my least favorite. <laughs> uh, New York Giants, ladies and gentlemen. This is our team. My game of the week is the Hurts touchdown. Fuck. Uh, what happened? Hurts one yard touchdown rush. Yep. That's a second, right? Yeah. Um, oh, all right. <laughs> the playoffs, Andy. My game Me of the week. Me too. I'm, is, I'm about uh, to lose. <laughs> so my game of the week. It's uh, this is tough because uh, 49ers at Titans Thursday night football. It's happening in two days from now. Can the Titans hold on to the AFC South lead without Derrick Henry and AJ Brown? I'm not so sure. I love Mike Rabel as a head coach, but San Francisco is favored by three and a half in this game on the road. They're likely to get Elijah Mitchell back. Uh, I expect him to clear concussion protocol and play in this game. Uh, I'm very interested to see with George Kittle being fully healthy, Debo Samuel as well. Do the Titans have enough to keep pace with the San Francisco 49ers? And I'm shocked I'm saying that about the team who has the better record and is at home. So I truthfully think that this could be uh, a shootout type of game. It could also be a low-scoring type of game. I don't know. The 49ers seem to have success with whoever's in the backfield. So that really concerns me if I'm a Titans fan. So uh, give me the 49ers. And honorable mention, you got to throw in Colts Cardinals on Christmas night. That's going to be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Two playoff teams going at it. It's a, uh, it's a Cardinals team coming in, really needing a victory against a Colts team that nobody wants to play right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, love you too, man. All right, so next up, we are going to move on from football, and uh, it is the Christmas season, and um, we're going to go over each person – Tell us your favorite Christmas food, favorite Christmas drink, quote unquote, the brew party. So we got to have a drink mixed in there. And your favorite Christmas movie, Andy, we will start with you. Okay, Christmas food. I love a good Christmas ham. I mean, I'm, I'm a ham boy. Uh, Christmas drink. I've actually never had eggnog, so I actually uh, kind of want to try it. I'm a classic, you know, just just have a beer kind of guy. That's, that's usually the route. I go with, but I, I don't mind a nice like uh, heart, uh, like a nice apple cider with some uh, uh, some whiskey or something in it uh, as well. Especially maybe warm it up a little bit. That's pretty good. Uh, and my favorite Christmas movie is uh, Elf. I think it's classic. It just doesn't miss. Very nice. All good picks, Kyle. I'm gonna say Christmas food for me. I love a good lasagna. A good lasagna oh. is good in the oh. Italian household. It's always, always very good. Something I look forward to every single year. Uh, drink for me. It sounds funny, boys, but you know who I am. I'm a water guy. I'm a water guy. I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't drink. And movie, Christmas movie, Home Alone is always a good one, boys. Home Alone, any of them, they're always good. James, you're on the clock. Uh, Christmas drink, I'm going to go with eggnog. Uh, my buddy's friend's mom makes a pretty good eggnog. I wasn't able to have it this year because they had the Christmas party while I was working. Um, I have no clue what they're baking upstairs, but it smells phenomenal. 
So after the show, I'm going to have to run upstairs to get some, some of that. Um, but food wise, um, usually every Christmas Eve, we go to my aunt's house and she makes some really good rice balls that it's just, Oh, I could eat all those all day. Um, Christmas movie. Oh, I'm going to stir the pot with this one, boys. Die Hard. I knew it. I knew you were going to say that. That's somebody's <laughs> always got to say it's a Christmas. As soon as movie. you said stir the pot, I knew. Yeah, it. <laughs> saw that coming. And also, uh, Davidson just upset number ten Alabama in college basketball. Oh, seventy nine, seventy eight. Very, Damn, very cool. Um, well, first off, we have a couple comments. Noah says ham and pasta salad. Anything besides the garbage known as eggnog and the Santa Claus with the goat, Tim Allen. Um, That's a good one. That's, That's a good, good one. one. Brian McArdle just tried eggnog for the first time Monday, Andy. Worth it. So my friends have been talking up this Evan Williams like eggnog. So I might have to go buy me a bottle because I heard it's like super cheap too. So you're too much. <laughs> you're too much. <laughs> Oh, God. Andy, Andy, Andy. Uh, Okay. So for me, uh, my favorite Christmas food is mashed potatoes. Uh, I'm a big mashed potatoes guy. Um, Rams touchdown. Yeah, Cooper Cup just scored, tied the game again. He's the only thing that can keep me in this fucking playoff game. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Mashed potatoes is my favorite Christmas food. Uh, My favorite Christmas drink is... I mean, I'm kind of trending in the direction towards Andy was before with that apple cider, but um, I don't know. I'm probably just going to go like ginger ale, Um, you know, nothing crazy. (laughs) Um, And then my favorite Christmas movie, this is tough because I love Christmas Story. I just watch it like. I mean, I love it's on 24 hours, so 24 hours on yeah, TBS. 24 yeah. hours straight. <laughs> my, watch the whole thing. My buddy um, told me about that one. I've actually never watched that. And it's it's a classic. So it, it's like two hours long, but like it, it's just nonstop playing. So like you could miss parts and you can come back and you'll be watching another part. Be like, oh, wow. I didn't realize this happened. But yeah. Um, and um, yeah, that's uh that's it for that, guys. So our Christmas-themed segment and moving on um, to our next segment, Buck Showalter is the new manager for the New York Mets. He agreed to a three-year deal. He is 65 years of age. <laughs> um, he is a former three-time manager of the year, previously managed the Yankees from 1992 to 1995, the Arizona Diamondbacks from 1998 to 2000, the Texas Rangers from 03 to 06, and most recently the Baltimore Orioles from 2010 to 2018. He, so he has not been a manager for the past four years and he had his introductory press conference today, which shame on me for not watching it yet. Um, that's my plan later tonight after I hopefully survive my fantasy matchup. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I like this hire. I, I like this hire. Andy, I know you texted me and asked for my thoughts on the high, on the hire. Um, I'm a little bit more on the pessimistic side when it comes to really that's fan. <laughs> if you, if you didn't notice, but, um, I mean, Obviously, anything would be an upgrade over Luis Rojas. I, I think the biggest thing I take from this hire is the Mets 
won't, and I think Michael Kay mentioned this as well, the Mets won't have to worry about losing many, if any, games this year due to managerial decisions. Um, I think that's what you're going to get with Buck. So I'm happy he's our head coach. How long is he going to be here? I'm not sure. Uh, manager, I mean. I'm, I'm talking about football the whole night. Um, but, yeah, I like the move. I don't think he's here past five to seven years or anything, but uh, good manager to have, and I'm excited. I'm really excited. And apparently Max Scherzer had some influence in this decision for a guy who was just signed that speaks volumes to him. So LGM. I like, I love the hire of Buck Walter because what it not only does is this and, and James and Tom, you tell me this and maybe I'm wrong when I say this, but first thing before I get to that is one where he's been before he's been able to win again. He's not been able to, come above the hill and reach the top of the mountain and win a World Series, but he's turned teams around. Look at the Baltimore Orioles in his four years there. Made the postseason three times, uh, didn't make it five of the seasons that he was there. But look where they are now. They're they're one of the worst teams in baseball since he's left that organization, Mm -hmm. as well as the Yankees. You know, again, once he left, that's when they started winning the World Series. But he's had some success before in his managerial stance. And the part that I wanted to ask you guys about, too, and obviously this is a team that, has made so many moves, and that should be in winning positions at least now this season. Is that even if the lose, even if the winning doesn't necessarily come, at least at the volumes in which you guys are expecting, I don't know if you can necessarily be mad at Buck Showalter because of the culture, discipline, and locker room presence that he's been versus other managers that you guys have brought in over the last couple of years. I think that again, while losing, you know, will get you frustrated. I think with Buck Showalter it becomes a little different. And the other thing in which I'll attest to as well, while there were some managerial problems in terms of influence on the baseball field, with Luis Rojas and his game calling, the biggest thing with Mets teams these last couple of years, forget about just Rojas, just the last couple of years, is that the manager has no influence on these star players underperforming. Like as much as people want to blame Luis Rojas, is it his fault that Francisco Lindor was batting at like 210 220 throughout the entirety of the season. That's not his fault. Was it his fault that almost every single player was, was playing well under the expectation and well under what they did in the previous season? No. So now with more added talent, and now you have players advocating for you like a Max Scherzer. So now you got guys that you want to play for and that want to play for you. And they've spent a lot of money. I don't even think they've scratched the surface of what they plan on doing in free agency. Once the, the lockout is over, I think they're going to make many more moves. They have a solid team. Again, a solid team on paper. The biggest thing with the Mets is that they just don't play up to that paper standard in which we see. That's my biggest, not argument with them, but that's my biggest concern. Because they've had good rosters in the last couple of years. They just have not played like that team throughout 162 games. James? What do you think? This is our manager now. You got to have uh, some type of confidence in this guy. I do. I saw somewhere that he's going to be more analytical, which kind of turned me off in a sense because I'm tired of this analytical crap. It's like, oh, we got to go by the numbers. So if Scherzer pitched 56 pitches in the seventh inning and we got to pull him because the analytics says if he faces – 
Aaron Judge for the seventh time today, Aaron Judge is going to hit a bomb. It's like, j- just let them play. Ignore the analytics. I, yes, they are important to an extent, but if your guy's going, just let them go. That That's going to be my pet peeve of the year. Otherwise, I think it's been higher. Having Matt Scherzer ultimately try to push for him and they got him is only going to help this team. I'm sure he's going to steer this team in a correct direction or a right direction as much as they can, as he can. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm open to whatever changes he has coming. Again, it's a new manager. I'm I'm expecting the worst, but hoping for the best, but also have a feeling that he'll be a decent manager, not what we've seen in the past year. Noah says if the Mets don't at least make the wild card this year, file for bankruptcy. Uh, the Mets are typically a joke. Noah also predicts the Phillies will finish in fourth next year. That the Mets should, keyword should, win 90-plus games, no problem. I love that you said that because Murphy's Law is the definition of the New York Mets. You, you mm-hmm. open up the New York Mets in a dictionary, and that's what's going to happen. Blake Snell loves analytics. This is very true. And Brian says, us Rays fans still have PTSD from that Snell pull. Yeah. yeah, this was I, – I honestly, I didn't even realize that Showalter was still the Orioles manager up until 2018. And this one, I mean, I, I guess they're taking a page out of out of the White Sox playbook and the famous baseball person brother uh, with Tony La Russa, who I mean, that was a lot longer with, you know, 2011 – uh, coming back, but as we see football coaches getting younger and younger, I guess baseball managers were just going back to just old dudes. But I don't hate this hire for uh, the Mets. It, it's a splash hire. Buck Showalter has been a guy that's been around baseball a long time. Tom, you mentioned the winning teams. Uh, he's been able to produce pretty much everywhere he's gone. He's won. So you see so like that aspect of it. And anytime a guy that you just brought in and you're paying a lot of money to, uh, you know, vouches for a, a manager. You'd like to think he has uh, the team's best intentions uh, in mind when he does that. So, yeah, I don't I don't mind the Buck Showalter uh, hire. It'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of where the Mets go this year. I mean, obviously they have the best one-two punch, in my opinion, in DeGrom and Scherzer in, in the league. We'll, we'll see how, if that holds up when baseball does get started, if, if we ever do get out of this lockout. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting. I know you, you mentioned earlier, you're a pessimist about, about the Mets. Every when night. I text, when I texted you about the Scherzer deal, you said, wow, we just paid a 37 year old, a hundred million dollars. Should I throw a party? So that, so that, <laughs> that, 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 that's what Tom thinks about the team. I always, always love it. I, I was expecting more of a pessimistic response, uh, about the show alter hire other than, uh, yes, and then I said like or dislike, and you just said like. So uh, <coughs> a, a, apparently, it's good. That that, that yes. that's better Take than that the other one. That is a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> Tom, I got Tom. I gotta ask you because from listening this, to these, these takes on the Mets, how are you this pessimistic on the Mets? But so optimistic on the Giants. I got. I got. Oh, ask that you. doesn't make sense either. Hold yeah, on, that's hold a on. Well, and, and James, James can attest to this because we're both Giants and Mets fans. I grew up, and the Giants were really, really good. I yeah, grew up, sense. and the Mets were really, really, really bad. My childhood mm-hmm. was spent with bad memories and expecting to lose with the Mets. My yeah. childhood with the yep. Giants was a lot of winning 
and expecting to win. That's why my mind is framed the way it is, Kyle, if that answers your question. It does to an extent. But like when you look at the to the mo- well the most recent the last decade, I mean while the Mets haven't been so the great, the Giants have been far from average in the last decade. Uh, we also had a two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback until two oh, years we did. ago. We did, but yeah. that was again. The, um, we're talking about the last decade, but I understand your point. Yeah, that's that. That's my reasoning. Um, Andy, is there anything else you would like to add on Buck Show Walter or anything in general here? Uh, good hire. Uh, Bears sell the team. Fire Matt Nagy. Fire Ryan Pace. Um, I mean, I'll do it if I have to. But yeah, no, that, that, that's that's all I have. Oh, all the all the Brew Party on all social media. Uh, at the Brew Party on Twitter, and Instagram. We're at the Brew Party Podcast on Facebook. Uh, anywhere you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff. YouTube.com slash the Brew Party is our YouTube channel where you can find our. Our live streams, our episodes, uh, when we do interviews and stuff like that. Uh, I want to thank you guys for having me on. As always, it's always a blast. I always have a good time. Definitely some great laughs tonight. Always some good information uh, flowing our way. But yeah, that, that's really all I have to add. Uh, it's it's good to be back. The, the first five time guest on the Review and Preview Sports Network makes his return. That is correct. Yeah, you are. Like one of our top guests, if not the top one. So I mean, I'll uh, put myself at the top spot, Tom. You don't have to. That's okay. I'll say it. <laughs> um, really appreciate you coming on as always. Also, the Giants play the Bears next week, so we may have to try to do a preview we with you and, to Ka- do some. and Caitlin Leaner. So, oh, I'm in. Uh, I'm in. We'll, uh, I mean, you got my number. I'll, I'll have my people reach out to your people, Tom. We'll get something set <laughs> up got, for, uh, for next week. I got your information. Yes, you do, sir. I do James uh, Kyle? It's always a pleasure as well. Good, good, good seeing you guys. Good talking to you. Good seeing you too. All, all, seriously, it's such a fun time uh, coming on Absolutely. coming on the show. I appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. We love having you on. We'll have we to do some you. more collaborating, and I'm really looking forward. We should do like a draft NFL draft collaboration thing this this year. Maybe yeah, we'll do host, it. We'll host do. one day on the brew party. Host one day on here potentially. We, we can figure that out. I, it's bad. Both our teams suck so bad. We're talking about April, but mm-hmm. I mean that's that's all we have to look forward to. Is there's always next year, guys. There's always there's always next always year. Next year. Get them I, oh, now, I'm in uh, the five timers club. I am absolutely oh. absolutely in in for that. Thank you, Brian. Brian, yeah, Brian's going to be part of the show as well. The pick is in, boys. That's right. Brian is going to be a part of the NFL draft panel. Uh, we don't care what your availability is like, Brian. We will make sure you're available. It's happening. <laughs> but on that note, uh, thank you so much for the comments tonight, Brian. Andy, we love you, man. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year as well. And we will talk to you very soon. Thanks, Andy. Thank you, guys. That was Andrew Hopper from the Brew Party. And Noah left this comment here. Mike Piazza is the only reason the Mets have been relevant since the Cold War. Ouch. No. He's not wrong. The Mets have been atrocious. Um, Every Mets fan brings that up. It's like you forget that you were just in the World Series. And yeah, this I know, right? This, this is, is just the in the World Series. This is the problem, right? I grew up in Queens. Yes. And I would spend my whole life going – I've gone to so many more Mets games 
the Giants games. This season was the first time I ever witnessed the Giants loss in person. You know how many Met games I've seen that have ended in disappointment, heartbreak? Too many. The Mets, the, the Mets have made me lose my mind a lot more than the Giants because I feel like, yeah, we had expectations for the Giants this year. But we didn't have much expectations last year or the year before. But we did for the Mets, and they shit the bed. Did we, though? I mean, the, maybe not the you Mets suck. Yeah, this team's going to rebuild eventually. DeGrom's going to go. Scherzer's going to retire. Showalter's going to – something's going to happen. Syndergaard's going to be tweeting at us. Marcus Stroman's going to throw a, hay, a haywire fit. I know he's not even on the team anymore. Conforto's going to be hitting 350 on his this next is, team. This is absolutely and insane. Brandon Nimmo is going to suffer like a career-ending injury, that, and this this, this this team is absolutely going to be shit. The bright spot that if Tom that all that comes true, which I hope it doesn't, I hope uh, it we, doesn't either. But <laughs> we, we partnered with Samsung to make um, the video board twice the size this off season. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't. This the, look the, the pessimist. Here's the here's the thing, Kyle. You have an up. You extended Lindor for ten freaking years, years and Baez, who was the better player that you traded for, walks. That is no. That is I, no, I don't. I don't think Baez was the. He was. I the, think the strikeout rate. The, the strikeout. Player. The strikeout player. Well, well, no. The amount of times he struck out at the at the plate. Yes, when he cashed in, mm-hmm. it was some good plays. But striking out. But I just. I got to note this. The the hiring of Buck Showalter, which potentially has the chance to be one of the best managers to play for the ball for you guys ball club. In fact, I think he's the second has the second most experience as a manager that you guys have ever hired outside of Stangle before. You get Max Scherzer, arguably the greatest pitcher of the decade, to pair up with maybe the second best pitcher of the decade, definitely the last five, six years. Still pessimistic. But in the beginning of the show, find out next week how the Giants potentially out of these next three weeks can get a meaningless win to add to another double-digit loss season. The optimism there is unreal, but the pessimism? But some good stuff to look forward to is unbelievable. All right. The last three teams on our schedule before the end of tonight are all currently under 500. And I think we beat the Chicago Bears. But I'm I'm saying that they're all meaningless games. (laughs) You're you're badgering about a Mets team that hasn't even taken the field yet. It hasn't even finished their free agency yet. And you're already telling me they're going to suck. When have the Mets given us a reason to show any type of optimism? It's the same story. Everything is hyped up. We start off really well. And by June, we're all talking about the exact same thing. It's another typical Mets season of disappointment. And James could back me up on this. Mm -hmm. Let's talk in June and see where the baseball team is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We we will see. Um, I just found that funny. I thought that was – Royals beat them so bad, Spider-Man showed up thinking there was a murder in progress. Thanks. <laughs> um, that was a good season. Uh, no, I don't hate the Mets, Noah. That, that, that's just for, you know, got to put on a little act here for, for, for the show, get people a little up in arms. <clears throat> All right. 
We've gone over, but it is our Christmas special, so we will go a little longer. Our last topic of the evening. James. Yes, sir. Tell us about the experience at the newly opened UBS Arena and your wonderful New York Islanders. Well, other than the Islanders won that game and was the first one in the hotel one. So I am grateful that I brought them uh, the W and I was in attendance when they did get a win. Um, UBS is not home yet for me. Um, you know, everybody's going to hit me hard. Like, Oh yeah. The rinky dink Coliseum, yada, yada, yada. That was home for us. Islander fans, right. We didn't, I didn't grow up in MSG where everything was all sunshine and rainbows and everything's huge and glorified because it's MSG. All right. I grew up in the Coliseum, so I got to get used to having a bigger stadium. Um, it's interesting because it's right by Belmont Racetrack. Um, if you're New York, Long Island, Jersey, it's the border area. between Queens and Nassau County. It's yeah. literally on the border. It's on the border. So, like, I left. I had NYPD cops in uh, the um, Cross Islands, but in the parking lot, I had Nassau PD cops in the parking lot. Yeah. So a little confusing. It's not. I, in the, not for me, but if there was somebody like, say, Andy, for example, he might be like, what? Um, yeah. So you, you park. I, I parked in the Emerald lot. That's how they label these lots now. Mm-hmm. Then either you can walk over. It's about a 10-minute walk, supposedly. Or you can take a shuttle, which the shuttle drives you from the parking lot to the stadium, which is actually not bad, especially on a colder night. The place is beautiful. Phenomenal. Um, inside, it's big. It's like it's, it's like luxury luxurious if i'm not saying that word correctly um you are murals and paintings on the wall just of like different things i enjoyed the stadium you guys know both what i do for a living so i was now taking it as from an operations as a um entertainment side looking into the different things they have seeing how they do and whatnot but i enjoyed it it's 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 obviously clean because it's new but it was it, it was refreshing there was plenty of men's bathrooms, not like how we had to deal with in the Coliseum, figuring out, was this an actual woman's bathroom? Was there a converted men's bathroom? Who knows? Oh, gosh. Um, but it was it was nice. Um, it was beautiful. Um, if us three have a chance to go to a game, I think we should, um, whether that be an Island or Ranger game or just neutral a, game. Game, a neutral, neutral game just to experience, you know, um, to hang out, go to a game together, but I enjoyed it. I got a whole bunch of pictures. I got to show you through you two, but it was, it was nice. It was big. I, I walked around. Um, they had plenty of food, plenty of like little, like seven 11s in a sense where it was like a bar and a pizza area and you pay, but then there was actual like concession stands. So it was nice. I'm glad. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Um, the state of the Islanders, though, currently they are 8, 12, and 6, 22 yeah. points. Uh, mm-hmm. That is good for last in the Metro at the moment. Uh, they beat the Bruins, but lost to Vegas in a shootout. And do we have an update on that Capitals game? Are they going to go through yeah, with that? Or? I think it's the games because they put everything. No, it's postponed. Every, it's everything's postponed. off to like the 27th, I want to say. The twenty sixth. Yeah, the delays from the twenty second to the twenty fifth. So, gotcha. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. It's weird that um, 
the Rangers have 42 points and the Islanders have just 22. And that that's no dig by any means. That's just me saying that not so long ago, the Islanders were one of the top teams in the Metro. And now it, it's, yeah. it, it's weird. Uh, why this decline, do you guys think? Do you think it's not having a home arena that's hurt players a little bit with familiarity issues, or is there more to it that I'm, I'm missing? Are the, are the Islanders losing a step here? I think that the – I think there's three very prevalent reasons. I think that that 13-game home stretch, really, not away stretch – really hurt them and put them in a bad place to come back to the cause, uh, come back to the UBS arena. UBS. Uh, I think that a lot of people really didn't consider the value and the importance of Jordan Eberle and what he contributed yeah. to the offense when he was lost in the expansion draft. And now he's with Seattle and we've all seen how he's done there. He's been tremendous offensively for them. And my third thing is, Something that the Islanders have been so good at the last couple of years is being able to close out hockey games, especially when it comes to shootouts and overtimes. Just this month alone, because this month alone they could have made a legitimate push back into the playoff race. But this month alone they have lost two games in overtime, two games in a shootout, mm-hmm. and every loss that they have in the month of December is by one goal. So they just it just things not falling their way, not being able to be being able to close out games, and especially at this point in the season, being where they stand right now, last in the metro, and with as many great teams as there are in the metro, they they need to start winning and, and winning fast yeah. in order to stay competitive and get a top. Because I don't even know I know being a part of the metro uh, may be difficult for them to get back into that race, but the wild card race alone. I, I think is, is going to be extremely hard to get themselves back into. It's definitely a good point. Brian Attard showing up for the segment. Love the half smile there. Brian Attard, huge New York Rangers fan. Make sure to go check him out on the blue truth. Uh, that is another show that he does. It also runs on the sports box. Make sure to go follow the sports box on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, in all seriousness, Isles fans on the panel, are you ready for the mindset of go for the top pick? Seems insurmountable to try to get in now. It's so tough for me, and, and, and as most people know, my Giants takes and my Giants perspective, I am, I am, I'm never for losing, but if you play the way you do night in and night out, week in and week out, every given Sunday, then of course I'm rooting for a top pick because that's where the cream of the crop town is. But with this Isles team, it's very difficult for me to do that because, like you just alluded to, Tom, just the dramatic drop-off in which they've taken. I mean, this was a team in which people were projecting to reach the Stanley Cup Finals. A lot of people, whether people agree with it or like it or not, if they would have beaten that Game 7 against Tampa last year, I think a lot of people would say that they would have been able to take care of a Montreal Canadiens team who looked completely gassed in the Stanley Cup Finals. So to see this drop-off the way that they've fallen, it's very difficult for me to absorb and say, yes, you know, go for a top pick, whatever it is. But at the same point in time, again, I don't know if the season is too lost yet. They're 11 points out of a wild card. Again, we've seen crazier things. The story that I like to bring up, especially at this point in the season, 
we all remember a couple years back, I think it was in 19 or 18, the St. Louis Blues were the worst team in hockey come January, and they won the Stanley Cup that year because they just had a tremendous, again, storyline performance. Not very, uh, again, not very likely, but teams have done it before. So I like to be optimistic in that sense, especially with the amount of money, draft capital, uh, as well as the fact that, again, this was a team that back-to-back years, they reached the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, lost both of them in a Game 7. But, again, that close to the Cup to go to where they are now, it's very difficult for me to say go forth with the tank. It's tough. It really is tough. By the way, Cooper Cup just scored a 29-yard touchdown, James. All right, uh, good. He needs to put up like 100-plus points for me tonight to yeah, beat You are on the verge of pulling off a 100-point upset, I hope. Uh, I don't Let's know if go. that's the case or not. Uh, Probably not, no. Comment section still blowing up. We're going to stay on for a few more minutes because we love the support here. Uh, Noah, don't let the Islanders segment distract you from the <clears> fact <throat> that the Flyers are an embarrassment to the NHL. I think you could say that the city of Philadelphia is a true embarrassment to all professional sports. Um, you know, uh, quite frankly, I know that makes Brian Attard very happy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, look, the, the Flyers right now just – I don't really know what to make with them. I can't talk too loud because I know there are members of the sports box that are Flyers fans. I know at least one that Brian's very close to, so I have to be careful. But um, <laughs> bring back 70- or 80-year-old Mike Bossy. Interesting. Sports box loves review and preview. Yep. Review and preview loves the sports box. If you're watching this show right now, make sure to like the sports box on Facebook and follow them on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube as well. We do a lot of awesome collaborations, and I'm sure a whole lot more are coming. Noah says the Penguins are red hot lately. Can't wait to trade a first for a 40-year-old nobody at the deadline. (laughs) Well, you know what? We'll see, Noah. We will see what happens there. I think the Penguins are in an interesting situation right now. Um, I don't know if they're a playoff team, but, I mean, it's all eggs in a basket at this point of the season. Kyle just brought it up earlier. The the Blues went from last place to winning the Cup. So, worst record in the entire NHL. Hank says, let's go Rangers. Hank and I attended a Rangers game earlier this year. It was a lot of fun. Brian Attard, Islanders were one win away of a championship. I'm the first person to admit that, and the relief I have that they didn't win that game is immeasurable. Uh, one, that that one will that one will hurt for a very long time, right, James? Yep. It will hurt for a especially very long time. watching them beat Tampa at the Coliseum for the last time. Yeah, and I don't think Barry Trotz is going anywhere. Uh, I don't think he's the problem. No, no. I don't. I don't think no. so either. Um. All right. What else? Scavetta three sixteen says Philly blows. Um, yeah. Philly does blow. Um, you know You know what? Um, I know there's a lot of ECW that used to happen where you are, Brian. Big ECW fan. I mean, it, it gets extreme down there in that, in that city. That's just one stadium I'll never go to, Blank, that is. And that's where the Giants are heading this week. So hopefully all 53 members of the Giants make it out uh, in, in good health. Um. Those Sportsbox members that are Flyers fans are total losers. 
Noah says, go sports box. Flyers should have kept Elaine Vigneault. Maybe that would have given them good looks. Interesting. Hank, you, know, you bring up a lot of good points. Elaine Vigneault, former Rangers head coach in his own right, uh, took the Rangers to a Stanley Cup final. But uh, James and Kyle, any last words that you want to add? Good show tonight, fellas. Good show. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun being back on with you too. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Well, folks, one more time going to roll our social media across our ticket below. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And our audio podcasts are on the anchor as well. If you're sick of seeing our faces by this point, uh, oh, correction. No. How can you Rangers in our faces? Rangers took Elaine Vigneault to a Stanley Cup final. LOL. Factual. Uh, review and preview keeps killing it. Thank you so much, Noah. Man, the, the sports box coming in hot tonight in the yeah. fourth quarter here. Uh, well, pretty much all night, but um, Brian coming in hot in the fourth quarter. Uh, I was about to say pulling off a Philly special, that, but that probably would have ruined the show. But I just said I just said it anyway. You said uh, it, so um, uh, folks, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Uh, make sure to go check out Hank and myself on Thursday evening at 7 p.m., where we will be speaking with the entertainer Chris Guzzo as we take a trip down the New Jersey Turnpike to play against the Philadelphia Eagles on behalf of Kyle James. Uh, I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, saying so long, and you've been watching Review and Preview here on Facebook Live. Have a good night, everybody.